Hello and welcome to another episode of PC Speaking. I'm your host, Chris Miller, and I will be your guide as we travel the globe looking for what's old and gold as well as what's new and true. We explore the realms of spirituality, well-being, and whatever else happens to catch our fancy along the way. I'm the pastor of a Christian church in possession of a set of well-studied and thought-out beliefs, but I want to hear what's on your heart and mind, even when it's different to what's on mine. Now, it should go without saying, but if you're someone who needs to hear it, here it is. The views expressed in this podcast are the views of the person expressing them, not necessarily yours or mine. If you feel triggered and your blood pressure starts to rise, then hit the pause button, take a deep breath, and scroll on by. With that in mind, sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Hey, Rob, what's happening, man? Not much. How you doing? Doing well. How's your day been? It's been long, but good. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, yeah, it's the first Monday that hasn't been, um, a funky Monday. Okay. You know, I mean, it's been a, like a regular Monday. So, oh, uh, yeah. uh, when I say long, it's been good. I've just got a lot of stuff done. So it's, how about you? You're just starting, well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 Monday's over for me. Everybody, you know, the the name Monday is actually comes from some weird moon goddess. So everybody knows Mondays are pagan anyway. I like it. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's it. Uh, yeah, that's why we don't like Mondays, man. Anyway, that's right, man. Yeah. <laughs> They're pagan, They're and as pagan. Christians, we don't want to have anything to do with the pagans. <laughs> we could actually you can say that about every day of the week, but we'll just pick on Monday. It's true. Thursday's <laughs> Thor's day. <laughs> there you go. You know? Yeah. Well, I kind of like Thor, man. I'm a bit of a Marvel fan. Dude, I grew up with it. <laughs> yeah. I read the stuff. comic. I saw the comic. I'd get home from kindergarten, half days, run in. And it used to be that Thor would, he had his human persona. Dude, they had You know, and so he was a skinny little twerp. <clears throat> Excuse me. So. Anyway, yeah. Welcome. I uh, appreciate you Thanks. taking the time to do this. I really do. Um, yeah. So I so like my new you, backdrop. It looks good. It really does. Is that like a, um, is it an actual thing or is it like a digital thing or what? Oh, um, it's like an actual, actual thing or part of it is. It, it's, it's a green screen. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Our ministry administrator, she did it. She put it together for me. Nice. She, uh, she didn't like my old backdrop. She kept saying, <laughs> it's, it's, it's too plain, Rob. It's too plain, so, Rob. Yeah. It's all yeah, good. So, so where are you at, Rob? Just for the geographically challenged among us. I am in Worcester, Massachusetts, which is the northeast part of the United States. Mm, okay, yep. Up in the northeast been to Massachusetts, yeah. um, spoke in a church up there. It was a good experience. It really was. Um, yeah. So normally when you do this kind of thing, you are, you tend to facilitate groups and do, you know, recordings and devotions and post them on social media and, uh, do your own podcasting. How is it being on the other side of the desk, so to speak? It's nerve wracking. <laughs> is it? I was wondering if it's oh my worse goodness, or better. I, I told my wife, I said, I know how everyone who's ever come on John 17, 23 conversations feels now. I keep saying, that's not a big deal. You guys are okay. It, it, yeah. 
no worries. And I even do the what you did. You know, you kind of throw out some questions beforehand just so you kind of have an idea of stuff. And oh my goodness, I got butterflies, buddy. Yeah. Well, I hope I hope that um, yeah, it goes well for you. It will. I'll be nice. I promise. Well, nice for me anyway. Whatever that means. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, like we had a this um, somebody speaking in the church one day, and we were live streaming, and I'm like, "Dude, relax. It's only going to the entire world. It's not that big a deal." <laughs> yeah, yeah anyway. no worries. Yeah, no I, worries. I just tell people, man, it, don't worry about it. Haters make you famous. It's not that big a deal. Um, what? <laughs> If somebody wants oh. to be, give you a bad time, it's like, yeah, they're just going to gonna grow your audience. That's all right. That's it. Haters got to hate and people, people okay hearing haters. Mm. It, it just attracts more attention. Yep. That's true for sure. Well, I'm kind of hoping um, a couple of things that we might I'll do today. One of them is, um, I and I know this is really important to you, obviously, about what you do. And we'll get into that more in a minute, but um, I want to help pastors through this sure. podcast, especially this specific episode is one of the things that we're looking to do, uh, because often people, you know, the, the average churchgoer, um, let alone someone, you know, who's maybe not part of church culture really, um, is, is unaware of the plight of the average pastor. And sure. uh, yeah, we'll, we'll dig into that a little more in a bit, but, okay. um, and also, yeah, just to help pastors and also to help people become more aware of maybe what pastors go through and how they can support them and things like that, mm -hmm. because it is something that um, pastors, I think, are often seen as the spiritual giant in the church. Yeah. And, you know, they, you know, they, they have the arguments with the wife on the way to church on Sunday, just like everybody else does. Mm -hmm. Occasionally, you know, it's um, they're just they're just people, too. And uh, so, yeah, I just thought we might have a conversation about that kind of stuff, but you're involved with, uh, Barnabas ministries. Yes, I am. And you facilitate a lot of John 17, 23 groups and things like that. And maybe you could just kind of tell us about what, uh, Barnabas ministries does. Sure. Barnabas ministries is a ministry that focuses on pastors mm -hmm. and specifically bringing pastors together from different denominations. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a ministry about unity. So our vision is to see pastors come together on authentic spiritual and relational unity based upon the prayer of Jesus from John mm -hmm. 17, 23, where he said uh, about us to the Father, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know you sent me and love them as you love me. And like you were saying about pastors, <coughs> excuse me, uh, everybody thinks they're superhuman, <laughs> but pastors have problems too. Pastors uh, deal with the same issues as everybody else, um, fights with their spouse, uh, misunderstandings with their kids, financial issues, mm. uh, worries and stresses. And this allows a pastor to come into a place where it's safe. And mm. you can take off that pastor hat, that pastor persona. Mm. Um you can just be yourself. And, and that's really hard because what I found, I, I pastored in churches for 25 years. And when you are yourself and you let your 
guard down. You're just being you. There's mm -hmm. always going to be somebody who looks and says, oh, I don't like that about you. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> it's like, you know, so <laughs> this is a place where pastors can come together three to five in this small group. And there's no, it's a no judgment zone. It's a place mm -hmm. where they can just really connect and open up and share. And it's, it's a non fix it zone. So that's mm -hmm. what these groups are about for pastors. And, you know, when you offer it to somebody who thinks there's nothing out there, they're, they're all alone. Uh, it's amazing. I, I have the greatest job in the world. Just, just to be able to love and care for pastors and serve them. Yeah, that's cool. That's, I like what you say. There's a couple of really cool points you bring up there uh, about, for instance, it being a safe place. <laughs> that's kind of a funny thing to say. Now you, you were, I'm sure you were saying that before it became a, a mainstream cultural thing, but uh, yeah. it, it, there is some legitimacy to that. There really well and truly is. I mean, people do need a safe place, especially pastors, because, you know, we want to be genuine with people mm -hmm. as much as we can. Um, the reality is though, is, is people see pastors differently and we, we try to stay off that pedestal as much as possible. I mean, a pastor, yeah, the worth his salt does that, but people, you know, sometimes they just want to put you up there and they don't necessarily want to realize that the, the pastor is a human being too. And, um, yeah. And that, that causes what you said, uh, I think in isolation and a pastor can end up isolated and yeah, just feel like he's all on his own. And that's a real yeah. challenging place to be. I actually did a funeral for a guy yesterday. Um, he was uh, a Brazilian guy and he was only 39 and he committed suicide just a few days before oh, right. his 40th birthday. And I, I was watching the slides and stuff and I was like, man, I, I, that guy looks so, it's like such a cool guy and like to do all the same things I like to do. And, you know, we can, but people can get isolated and at a point where they think there's nobody out there who's going to understand or help. And unfortunately the suicide rate among pastors is, is um, something to take note of. I, oh, yeah. I should have thought about some t statistics before we did this, but I do have a couple articles I've saved on my computer about that. And yeah, mm -hmm. it's pastors have a difficult, a difficult job. Of course there's, yeah, you know, the rewards and privileges and, you know, you get to participate in people's lives in ways that other people don't, but there's a lot of challenges that come along yeah. with that. Yeah. And, and part of one of the greatest challenges I see with pastors is what, and the road you're on here, um, the topic is mental health. Mm -hmm. There's a stigma. I, I'm not sure uh, how it is where you're at in Australia, but throughout the United States and in other parts of the world where our ministry is, uh, there is a stigma attached to mental health, especially in church leadership. Mm. And so if a pastor confesses, you know, I'm, I'm having a hard time and I just need to go see a counselor. Mm -hmm. uh, many around them, unfortunately, see that as a sign of weakness. Yeah. See that as a sign of uh, problems lying ahead. And un unfortunately, I've known certain pastors who've lost their positions because they've been open and honest about yeah. seeing a counselor. 
Um, yeah. This past year, my mother passed away in 2020. Mm. Actually, believe it or not, a year ago today oh, is wow. the day she passed. Wow, yeah. I'm sorry about and, that, man. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, but I, I got back, and because COVID was just starting, I really couldn't grieve. Um, mm. but, and, and I was so grateful for uh, a primary care physician, my personal doctor, who said, you know, it sounds like you need to talk to somebody. And I told my mm. wife, I said, I, I don't want to continue to unload on you. You don't need to hear this. And, and I just need to talk to somebody outside of my circle. Now, I have a John 17, 23 group, and they were helpful. But to have that professional counselor that I could go to and just share mm -hmm. was amazing. Yeah. And too many pastors, it's been my experience. I've been in this ministry for five years, and too many pastors I've run into said, uh, have said to me, I, I'm afraid that if I were to do that, I would, I would lose my position or I would lose standing within the church. Yeah. And uh, it's unfortunate because it, it to me, it, it's a sign of strength to say, mm. Oh, I agree. I, I, I need some help. That's, that's I think uh, the Bible does talk a little bit about confession. Um, and I think when we're struggling, you bring things out into the light and it takes away a lot of power when we hold those things inside oh, and yeah. we try to hide them. It just makes them that much stronger. Definitely. Um, something that I do, I'm, I'm actually a qualified counselor. And one of the things that I do, and I've been to a counselor myself, I'll just say it. I don't, you know, I, a lot of people wouldn't know that, but I have gone to a counselor just to mm -hmm. seek that equilibrium because you are so isolated at times. But one of the things that I undergo as a, a counselor in, in a professional capacity, I mean, I do pastoral counseling and professional counseling both, and they're two different things, but mm -hmm. without getting into all the details of it. But one of the things that I do as a counselor to keep my qualification is I undergo what's called supervision. Okay. And it's, um, I don't know, some people might shy away from it a little bit just because of the word. Mm -hmm. But what that is, is as I work with clients, so many hours that I spend with clients, I have to undergo so many hours of supervision. And what that is, is I go to someone who is um, <clears throat> very knowledgeable in the counseling okay. field and has a lot of experience. And what they do is they help me help my clients. And they also oh. help me help me and keep yeah. me balanced and something I've always thought, I was like, man, it would be so great because there's so much value in that. I mean, I really can't overstate mm -hmm. the value of it. Um, it keeps me, yeah, it keeps me well uh, mentally. Yeah. And I think that would be such a valuable thing if that were something that was available to pastors. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe in the future sometime there might be a ministry like that, that um, I could start because it's, 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 it's just getting, getting pastors to take advantage of it might be difficult because, you know, we are so used to hiding things and all that, but it's such a valuable thing. Oh yeah. That, I think that's, that's another major challenge for pastors today. Taking that step outside of their comfort zone and accepting help when it's offered to you. Mm. You know, what you're talking about, I, I think of, um, Moses to Joshua. I, I think of how you, you read that. And then in the book of Joshua, um, it says J Joshua died 
then the leaders died, and then the next generation walked away from God. Mm. For whatever reason, the person Joshua lifted up or was like training like Moses did for him, mm-hmm. it didn't really fall, uh, it didn't really, he didn't follow through. Yeah. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. <laughs> and, and you jump ahead to the New Testament and you see Barnabas coming alongside Paul, who nobody wanted to hang out with because, hey, he he's a murderer. <laughs> he was killing the church, man. <laughs> that guy's crazy, and, man. Yeah. And so here comes Barnabas, who is well-known in the church, who has given financially to the church, who is who his very name, you know, son of encouragement. Mm. And he says, I'll vouch for this guy. He came alongside and Paul accepted his help. I wish today we had more pastors that would come alongside other pastors. I, where I attend church because I'm full-time in this ministry, I no longer pastor in a church mm-hmm. um, where I go to church. Uh, I just love the guy. He, he's, he's a friend of mine, but what he does, it, he, he thinks so much outside the box. He, he's taking these young pastors or should say young Bible college graduates who want to be pastors Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he calls them junior pastors and, and he first called them that and I thought, well, that is insulting. So insulting. <laughs> insulting, but sometimes the truth is right. But it is the truth. They're juniors. <laughs> the uh-huh. It is. And yet, you know, Brian comes alongside these young men and he, he speaks into their life and he's willing on the other hand to listen to them because, you know, they have ideas. It's not like we can just learn from our elders. Mm-hmm. Um, but I look at what he's doing and it's similar to what you're talking about in that they do stuff and then they have a debrief with him. They yeah. minister and then they talk to him about it and they talk things through. And imagine if we built that culture within the the Christian circles, within Christian leadership, after you did a little bit stuff like you're talking about that supervision, it, it sounds so healthy. Mm. You know, it's so good. So good. Yeah. And yeah. I'd l- love to do that. And one of the cool things, uh, my seminary, my, what do I call it? My alma mater. Um, they're doing that now with, um, their students there. They have a, a, an, a professor who's their, um, mentor. Okay. Which is really cool. And I think I'm pretty sure that everybody te- that teaches at that school also pastors or is on staff at a church. So, yeah. That's really, really a good thing um, to see them do that because I, I, I often think back myself and think, man, I wish I would have had something like that and some time, you know, and, and, and I actually got somebody in my life that's, that's really good. Um, real good friend, Darby Finison is his name. A lot of people around here know him, but yeah, you know, when I'm, when I'm in a bind, he's a great guy to call because of so much experience in yeah. ministry and all the things he's been through. You know, but, we're around the same age. Um, hitting 50. Mm-hmm. And I used to hear older guys say when I was starting in ministry, I started in ministry at 20. So I've been in mm-hmm. ministry for 30 years. Actually, mm-hmm. actually I was 19 when I got my first uh, associate role, still oh, in wow. college, working through Bible college. Mm-hmm. But um, man, I look back and say, oh, <laughs> oh, the, the things I missed because it was offered, but in my church tradition, it was like, no, you, you can do this on your own. And we weren't meant to do it on our own. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know how many pastor uh, pastors 
coming out of Bible college, coming out of seminary, are are being taught what you're talking about. It you you work together. You're in this together. Learn mm. from one another, and and learn from those who've gone on before you. Uh, even when I pastored, I had this great guy working with me. He was my associate, um, my senior by twenty years. Took him, took him like forty, not forty, twenty-five years to finish Bible college. Um, we finished the same time, and so I mm-hmm. we came up. I found him up in the Northeast. Long story short, he had such experience, and here he was saying, "Rob, I just want to sit under you and help you." And I look back, uh, and I think, "Man, I God, I I could have learned so much more from Mike. We could have done so much more together." But again, because of my church tradition and the way structure was, well, you're the lead pastor. Back then we called me the senior pastor and he was mm-hmm. the associate pastor and we had other associate pastors. Mm-hmm. Um, we worked together, but we really weren't the team that we yeah. could have been and should have been. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, and that's still the case. They're still the senior pastor associates. And I mean, you know, there's there's obviously there's there's got to be a buck stops here guy in there somewhere but um it is it really does need to be a team atmosphere um it really definitely for sure so what about you rob what are some of the biggest challenges you face in your ministry with barnabas i love pastors but sometimes (laughs) trying to get them together here's the bot it's bot uh, a friend of mine says it's like herding cats. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just impossible, you know. Mm. You got one one person over here who just gets it. Yeah, unity, connection. I need mm. that. I want that. And you can talk to someone else and say, "Oh yeah, yeah, I, you know, I I have that." Really, tell me about it. Well, you know, I meet monthly with my uh, my ministerial. There's about forty of us. Oh. <laughs> So how deep do you get in relationship? Uh, we we eat lunch together. <laughs> like okay, but do you know my litmus test is always, um, do you know the spouse's name? Do you know if they have kids? Uh, do you know where they grew up? Because if you don't know those things, you really don't know that person. And mm-hmm. so just presenting what we do, the pastor sometimes is so foreign to them and the idea that you mean you want me to sit with somebody who went to a different seminary and you're talking a different denomination seminary so we're not like even on the same page Mm -hmm. like well first of all uh jesus is the same jesus whether you're reading out of the king james or the New Living Translation, or the contemporary English. It doesn't matter your translation. A Bible's a Bible. Mm. And so to be able to, you know, remove those objections that have been built up over the years, because for so many years, it's been us against them. Yeah, and that's very true. us is and them is, you know, it, whoever says it, it, well, I'm us, and they're them. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I believe that, that God is working to tear down that lie from Satan, to get mm. us to see we're one body in Christ. And 
and if you look at that concept of one body, so maybe the arm are the Baptists. Maybe the leg is the Anglican. Maybe the, the neck is the charismatics and the chest is, you know, go on with the analogy. <laughs> that, but, that would be fun to figure out. <laughs> yeah. Sit down and draw a map and say, hmm, who are these guys? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I've just discovered that it, being in this ministry, I always thought a Baptist was a Baptist. Mm -hmm. But there's like 500 different types of Baptists. Oh, man, it's crazy, isn't it? Oh. I'm like, I, so there's no way to keep it all straight. Yeah, and it's just so, so cool to be able to connect with pastors. But in, in terms of the challenge we face, it's just the objections of, I don't know if I have the time for this. Mm. I, I spoke to one denominational leader who was just all in, all in for his pastor. So I said, well, you know, we have other denominational mm. leaders. Would you like to connect in a group? Well, I guard my day off. I can't give you my day off. And I thought, I have talked to this dude for weeks. <laughs> we, have, we have sat together face to face over the phone, you know, Obviously, I did not make this clear. A John mm. 17, 23 group happens within your normal work week. You don't do mm. it on your day off. It becomes mm. part of your schedule. Mm. And um, so I found that he's not the only one who has that mindset. So it's really debunking um, the objections to, I don't have the time, or I, I don't know if I can really relate to that that pastor because they're not of my denomination, you know, or it's, I'm afraid. I mean, that's what yeah. I get a lot too. I mean, when they're honest with me, I, the wonderful thing about what I do, I, I feel like I, I'm that a matchmaker <laughs> in that I'm the safe one. I, I'm not, you know, they just, people just want to tell me things and, and it's a joy and they know it goes in the vault, doesn't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. I yeah, pray good. with them, talk with them. And then when I say, well, you know, we're trying to create this group. Are you interested? I don't know if I can tell anybody anything. Well, you were able to talk to me. Yeah, but you're different, man. <laughs> no, <laughs> they're, they're, we're all the same. <laughs> you know, we're all the same. Mm. Uh, we all, we're all looking for friendships. I mean, that's mm -hmm. what it comes down to. And we just, I think, one of the other objections that people pastors will present to me is really, I'm afraid they're not going to like the real me. Mm. Oh, that's so you know, true, let, man. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. You and I on a Sunday morning, if we're getting up to preach or teach or share, there's a certain persona we put on. Mm. We just do. Yeah, you can't help it, man. You just do. You're dealing with yeah. a lot of different people. You kind of have to be a bit of a chameleon. It's it's just the way yeah. it is. It's reality. I mean, when you sit at the dinner table and you lean back, and I'm going to confess some things here. <laughs> remember, this little is food. public, Rob. Yes. What's that? <laughs> I said, remember, this is public, Rob. So please do. <laughs> please do. You know what? I'm going to burp. I'm going to belch. I'm going to, I'm going to, pat. you know, I'm going to, I, some gas is going to come out of my body when I'm eating. And, <laughs> I'm going to look and I'm going to say, excuse me, but imagine getting up to preach and saying, oh, excuse me, everybody. So anyway, Jesus was saying, you just don't do those sort of things because yeah. you're, you're, you're conscious, conscious of the fact that you're in front of people and you're trying mm -hmm. to represent Christ well. Well, it doesn't mm -hmm. mean I'm not representing Christ well when I'm sitting at my table and, you know, 
honey, this food was great. Burp, excuse me, man, did I like it. It's, it's a different setting. So it's hard to really be yourself when some, some have referred to it this way, and you may have as well, when you're on. Mm. And, and some pastors may be offended by that, but if we're really honest with ourselves, we know when we stand up to speak, to pray, we're trusting in the Lord, but we're, but we're also looking at our audience and we want to represent well. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that means, you know, the pastoral persona comes out. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And it's not the, even that that's not genuinely part of who we are, but it's not all of what right. we are. Yeah. Right. And sure. I think we can get stuck in, in that mode when I'm working with groups and I'm talking to pastors saying, Hey, just be yourselves. And I go, you know, and, and, and I'm invited in graciously. They say, come on in and see how our group's going. And everybody's calling themselves, you know, well, well Pastor Bob, oh, Pastor Jim, oh, Pastor Loretta. And I'm like, all right, listen, you're not getting this. <laughs> Stop calling each other pastor. Yeah. You're just Bob, you're Jim, you're Loretta. Just, just be yourselves and lose the pastoral persona. That's what this, this group is about. It doesn't mean you stop being a pastor. That, that's part of your calling. But just be you. And yeah, I think it's hard for so. some pastors just to be themselves. Uh, yeah, it is for sure. It is for sure that some of the things you're talking about there and the challenges you face in getting pastors to be involved with in groups like that. It's when I do counseling, um, I use a very holistic counseling model, which Mm -hmm. involves, you know, physical health, mental health, spiritual health. And one of the first things that we look into before we even really dig into anything that's, you know, deep is uh, how are you taking care of yourself? What are you, what are you doing in regards to self care? And that word, sometimes it might come off as, I don't know, maybe selfish or something like that, but self care is not selfish. Actually, you need not at all. You need to make sure you're healthy. If you're going to care for other people, especially in a profession, not, you know, it's more than a profession, it's a calling, but in, in a position where you're caring for other people, because you really do spend a lot of yourself. And especially if you're someone who's an empathic person and you tend to take Mm -hmm. on the emotions and feelings of others, it really um, can wear a person down. Um, Again, back to that funeral yesterday, oftentimes I'm, I'm, I do fine through funerals. You know, God gives me grace. I get through them, even people I know, but that particular funeral yesterday, for some reason, this is someone that I had never met in person, but that guy just seemed like hear people talk about him, seeing his, all the pictures and stuff of him. I was like, man, he felt like he was my friend. And yeah. when we were done, I had to go off to the side by myself and have a moment, man. I wept for this wow. guy. And I was like, gee yeah. whiz, man, this, it was really got to me. Maybe it's because I'm getting older. I don't know, but um, yeah. And there's things like that. And when you're up front and you're leading whatever you're leading, whether it's a memorial service or church service, you know, you don't really have the option to let go like that. Um, you know, and so, you know, that kind of thing is, it's important to take, take care of yourself and make sure you're healthy. And yeah, I was teaching, um, in Kenya and the idea of like taking a day off the Sabbath 
is a bit foreign <laughs> Uh, to some of these Kenyan pastors, not not because they don't want to do it, but their people, they're on call all the time. Their congregation expects them to be present. Mm. And I mentioned the word self-care, and so I'm, I'm having it translated to Swahili. And as I'm going, my translator's going with me, and, and all of a sudden, um, it just stops. Translator just kind of shrugs his shoulders and I'm shrugging back, like, what's the problem? And then my buddy Jared comes up. <clears throat> He's pastor from the States, from Tanzania. He went with me, and we're presenting this idea of coming together in John 17, 23 groups. And um, George Mulinge, who's the national pastor, comes up. He's been working with us. And there's this powwow. And I kind of like, guys, what's going on? We don't have a word for what you just said. We're not sure which kind of word to use in Swahili so they'll understand. And I just thought it was a God moment. And we came up with the word I know I'm butchering Swahili, so all my Kenyan <laughs> friends out there, forgive me. And uh, they're like, yeah, we'll use that. That's the closest thing of what you're defining, describing. And I looked at them like, you guys don't even have this word. You don't even know what word to use. Of course you don't understand self-care. And we had to just back up and mm -hmm. begin to talk about the basics. The Sabbath. Do you yeah. actually take a day off? You know, um, you know, when you were talking, <coughs> when the phone rings, Pastor, for you guys, guys and gals out there listening, you pastors, do you actually jump and go ahead and answer it? no matter what time of day it is, if it's by your bedside and you're sitting there with your spouse and you're watching TV or, or reading a magazine or even just talking, being intimate in, in conversation, or what about if you're at dinner with your, and your kids, you're all just, the phone rings? Is, is it like Pavlov's theory, the, the bell rings and he salivates? You just have to get up. Oh, I gotta get the phone, I gotta get the phone, I gotta get the phone. I gotta tell you guys, that's, that was me, like 10, 12 years ago, I was a nut. I was a nut case. I, I didn't know what it was to relax. I yeah. didn't understand that you needed to take a break. And self-care has been huge in my life. I, I had a pastor reach out to me and say, Rob, I need you to speak to, would you speak to my network? Now it's a national network across the United States. He wants me to teach on revival of the heart, self-care. Mm-hmm. And, you know, first of all, it's like a great privilege and honor to be asked. And then, you know, on the inside, it's like fight against the pride here. Wow, this is a big deal. Wow, wow, wow. And the Holy Spirit, I, I pray about it. And, and I'm feeling the Holy Spirit said, now, didn't you just talk with your John 17, 23 group? I'm having this conversation with God, you know, I don't hear his voice, but we're just going back and forth. And uh, I'm like, yeah, didn't you just talk about like having boundaries? Yeah. Didn't you talk about saying no? Yeah. Look at your schedule. I'm looking at my schedule. I'm trying, Chris. I am trying my best to fit this in. Mm -hmm. Not because I want to have a big head, but I'm thinking, man, this would be good for these pastors. And um, I, I had to say, you know, when do you want it by? And he's like, Friday. This Friday. And this this was just on the oh, weekend. I'm like, nice. sorry, can't do it. Can't do it. Sorry, dude. My, my week <laughs> is too Oh, okay. Well, he says, what about the next week? Uh, I said the earliest I could present anything would be um, April 2nd. 
And he, you know, I could tell he was just so down. He was just, and I hate to let people down. I don't yeah. know about you, Chris, but oh yeah, that's a that's a <laughs> it's the worst. I think that's a pastoral trait. Yeah, we're we're kind so, of naturally people pleasers. We want to make people oh, happy. Yeah. So anyway, I I reached out today on Saturday when he asked this pastor friend of mine. She came to mind. She does a far better job on teaching self care than I ever do, and. Mm -hmm. And I thought, no, what if she's not available? I don't want to ask, I don't want to give him her name and, and then she's not available because then that'd make me look bad, blah, blah, all these excuses. Mm -hmm. So today I said, you really need this. Yeah. And I can't do it for you. Yeah. I said, would you be willing to have this person I know? Yeah, sure. Yeah, anything you can do. So long story short, I reach out to her. She's like, of course, Rob, let him call me. If I can work it out in my schedule, I will. But see, that's, that's, that's the stream she runs in. She's always teaching on self-care. She, she's like the self-care guru. She does um, self-care training for us at Barnabas Ministries. She's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I'm like, his name is Amita. I said, Amita, you want top sirloin. I, I, you want, you, you want, you, you want the, the prime rib. You don't want the chuck roast. So... Yeah. <laughs> Take her and leave the chuck roast me around uh, alone. Uh, yeah. She'll she'll give you the best. Yeah, get the good stuff, man. <clears throat> well, Excuse I, me. I think pastors, like you said, you, I hate to let anybody down. I hate to say no. Yeah. But as the body of Christ, there, and especially when you know other pastors, mm -hmm. um, they have gifts and talent, and I mean, I I, I have no problem saying. She teaches this far better than me. I mean, she's excellent at this. And you're going to be blessed. Yeah. But let her do it. Yeah. Well, yeah, well sure. you know, uh, and I think if more of us would just look out outside and say when someone asked, Hey, can you, you know, can you do this service? And be honest, self care says no. I, I've had I've been out five five nights in the last ten days. No. But I know somebody who may be able to do it. That that's like sharing the load. And mm -hmm. if pastors, I know I didn't do it well, but I'm trying now. If yeah. we as pastors would actually share the load, share share each other's load, let yeah. you know, be willing to let go of things and let someone else maybe be the upfront person, so you can do other stuff. Um, it it's a healthy way to look at the ministry it really is and as a pastor of course you it's it's a struggle because you want things to be right but it, i think what sometimes we have to admit you know there's people that are better at some things than i am um yeah i know that uh, personally i you know i thought oh, I, I have to do everything i used to think that i don't anymore but and we've you know there's some people in our church and there are people in every church like this, but they, they're so good at some things and they do yeah. such a wonderful job of it. It would be dumb for me to do it. I mean, even if I had time. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, let's face it. That is the word. It would mm. be, we need a t-shirt, Chris. It would be <laughs> dumb for me to do this. <laughs> Especially when you're saying to that person, you know, I mean, I, um, I've watched your worship service. And mm. and I you, you're a much better guitarist and singer than I am. I you mm. would I, it would be dumb for me to try to lead worship if you were there, 
But then I've also seen your son. And it was the right move to say, you know what? Take care of the worship team. Take yeah. care of the worship on this side. Not because, <clears throat> you know, he's you know, leaps and bounds better than you, but it's mm. because you're letting him flow in his gift so yeah. that you can flow in your gift. And your gift is definitely teaching and preaching. Mm. Yeah. And it, it's I mean, just so much you, easier, you know, to, to have yeah. the, the, um, I don't know, the, say that the, the fuel in your tank to spend oh, on yeah. that rather than other things. Um, and it, one of the things that we've, we've had some people in our church, we've got a, an, an unbelievable, um, communications team is what we call them. And they take care of all our social media and presentations and all that stuff. And I remember when they first come to the church, they're like, Hey, um, you know, having a look at what I was doing <laughs> and going, you know, we could, we could probably do something pretty nice with that. And so we experimented around with it and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah this is dumb. <laughs> and now they've just taken it over completely. And, uh, and it's wonderful because it's really good. And I, I have very little to do with it and it's just, you know, they make it happen. And I mean, for yeah. people who follow us on social media, our church is, uh, there's an Australian term for that, uh, punching above your weight. You know, okay. our, our social media looks like it's from a much, much larger church who's got a big well, budget invested in it. I got to say, I, I visited, you know, I've, uh, we're thousands of miles apart. So um, you're like, what, 13, 11 hours ahead of me? Yeah, something like that. Almost upside something like down. that. So yeah. Saturday night, for those listening, I, I always get this little ding on my phone. Hmm. Hinterland, Hinterland Baptist Church Live. Uh, letting me know Facebook that if I want to, I can watch Pastor Chris. Mm. And, you know, the, when I'm not doing anything Saturday night, um, like taking a break, hanging out with my wife, I turn you on. And your social media team makes me feel so a part of the service, welcoming me as soon as I, you know, jump on and I hit a like or I say something. It, it, the, it just, it, it feels like, they care. Mm. And, you know, I, I visit other church sites and I'll be liking saying stuff. And it's like, well, he's a stranger. We don't know him. So we're not going to say anything to this dude. So, uh, I, I, a plus, I would say for, for your team there. I'm, yeah. I'm impressed. Yeah. They're incredible, man. They really are. Yeah. And our, uh, we've, we've actually named it. We call it our online campus now. And we, we often have more people online than we do in person these days. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's an interesting world we're living in. Definitely a Definitely. big cultural shift there, I suppose. Yeah. What are some, I don't know. You, you, well, you've been in ministry longer than I have. What are some cultural shift changes you've seen? Maybe good, bad, otherwise, and maybe society, church, I think there's the misconception of what Jesus taught and what the church espouses to the world around us. Mm. <clears throat> what I mean by that is, you know, my kids, when they were in high school, they'd come home and they'd be talking about what their friends were talking about. And when their friends found out they were Christians, when their friends found out their, their dad was a pastor, instantly... <laughs> Well, let's talk about what Christians hate. And there was this whole list. <laughs> they hate this, 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 and this, you yeah. know, all this stuff. And my kids were like, well, no, that's not true. Jesus loves everybody. Mm -hmm. He died for everybody. And like, really? 
And so it, it's this idea that most of the time the people, the unchurched people know what we're more against today than what we're for. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I don't, I don't like that because what they think we're against, we're really, it, it, it's, it's how it's not that we're against it's, it's, it's having a dialogue and a conversation with people. But I, I think it, over time, the church has isolated itself. And when mm-hmm. I say the church, I mean the church at large, universal church. There, there, there are churches out there that, that reach out today, and they've mm-hmm. always reached out. Yeah. But if you came into a church in the 1980s and you didn't have, uh, as a guy, a uh, polyester suit on, nice. something was wrong with you. <laughs> If you walked in with like today, you know, if if you if, if you guys who've never seen Chris, he's a happening dude. He's a jeans kind of guy, t-shirt kind of guy. He's in shape kind of guy. He's a surfer guy. If he just walked into church in the 1980s with his black t-shirt on and his jeans and his long hair and his beard, they would wonder why he was there. What's that hippie and doing for, in here? What's that? <laughs> I said, what's that hippie doing in here? Yeah, was it? But that's the thing. Um, it, it's it's always been there, but I think it's grown it's it's grown worse. And now, as a church, we're trying to turn it around by looking like everybody else. At you know, um, yeah, when I turn kind of, on the, the TV, pendulum you, swing, yeah. I mean, you just flip the channels. It's like, wow, everybody has the same stylist. <laughs> you know, it's like, yep. oh, everybody's wearing jean jackets this month. Everybody has torn <laughs> jeans this month. Oh, you know, oh, I guess gold necklaces are in this month. It's it's one of those things like I I believe we've lost our authenticity. Mm. Our identity is found in Jesus Christ. Yep. And when I look at the church today, and I'm not bad mouth, I love the church. The church oh, yeah. is sure. God's people. Of course. Um, but I I think in trying to represent christ as his ambassador they've taken the where paul said i become all things to all men that i might win them for the lord mm-hmm. he didn't mean you had to change your appearance change your talk people mm-hmm. want authenticity and yeah. you know i i can hang out i can minister uh to people who are different ethnicity than me people who are different social economic range than me and mm-hmm. still stay me. Yeah. Most of the time, it's just about showing that you care and, and that you're real. Um, yep. You know, I, I had one person once say, you know, I, I, I'll believe that you really care when I see you out here in six months, meaning, you know, you're, you're one and done. You're just coming out here to make yourself feel good, give us some food or, or give out, you know, this nice Easter egg hunt for all the, the community. And, but there, that's just to make you feel good. Or, or the other thing I get, what well, I have gotten is what's the ulterior motive? Why are you really doing this? Yeah. You know? And so the, for me, it, looking at the church today, we, we have the same issues we've always had because we're human, but, we've we've really to some extent and and i was there i mean 
I, I, I wore the jeans and the corduroy coat and I had the hair the certain way. Um, and then I, I, and then I, I looked at a picture of myself and said, who the heck is that guy? That's not me. And you just, you have to be authentic, authentic. And, and when you let Christ shine through you, he, he does the rest and, and people want someone who's real. Yeah. Interesting thought there. It's, I know in my own experience, there's been a lot of struggles with dress and music is often a big one. Um, and I've been to churches that are super traditional, man, where it's, it's yeah. like, uh, all the hymns are 200 years old or they don't qualify. Everybody wears a suit, but right. at the same time, they've got that right thing of love for Jesus and love for mm -hmm. people and they reach people. And I've seen the same thing in contemporary churches. It's not, you know, we, I, we do worry a lot about that. I think more, more than we should as pastors and churches about, you know, okay, what's, what's our brand, what's our vibe. And sure. really it's just love for Jesus and love for people. And if we've That's got it. that, the other stuff is kind of, you know, can be somewhat culturally relevant and stuff like that. But Definitely. Yeah. I know. I, I think we talked about this last time we, we had a chat, but um, there's been a shift I've seen, you know, in the, in the, especially the past year with everything that's been going on and it's kind of brought it to the surface. But I think another struggle that Christians face right now is, is nationalism, like Christian oh, nationalism. Yeah. You know, you're, you're not a Christian if you don't think a certain way or if you don't, um, aren't part of a certain political party or, or things mm -hmm. like that. And that's a struggle, man. It really is. Um, yeah. Tim Keller wrote his book about Jonah. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if anybody's read that, but he, Jonah had a problem with nationalism. Mm. And when I read that, it made so much sense. You know, he didn't want the, the, the Ninevites needed that they didn't need God. Why would God mm -hmm. love them? You know, God loves my race, my people. Yep. These people have hurt my people. So no, it, and <clears throat> man, reading his book opened my eyes to that, the idea of Christian nationalism. And um, it, 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 it allows me to see it when it's there. And it allowed me to see it in myself and say, yeah. ooh, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah. God, wash it out. You know, get the scrub brush out because this this mm. is gross. Mm. Um, but yeah, definitely, it's there. Uh, but again, if, if Jonah had it, uh, it's it's not new. It's just when you when you see it and you can name it, then you can deal with it. Yeah, it's it's funny that you bring up Timothy Keller and and his series on Jonah because I was listening to that on my walk this morning on Spotify. Um, which is a great series too. I think um, if somebody was interested in hearing it, if you get on Spotify and look up Timothy Keller, and I think running from God is one of the sermons in that series. And um, yeah, you can find it that way if somebody wants to hear it, but it's good stuff. He really does yeah. address that. And that guy's brilliant, man. I love him. Wow. He, he's great. I, yeah. I mean, I've, I've read so many of his books and yeah, yeah he writes about a book something. a week. Ah. <laughs> Yeah, he's a cool, cool guy for sure. So, you know, it, we, we've talked about a lot of different things and struggles of pastors. Um, 
What do you see as some of the biggest challenges that pastors face today? Well, you you mentioned it in the beginning. We kind of talked about it. Isolationism. Mm. Just with with where we're at today, with because of COVID. Yeah. There's isolationism. There's uh, the the lack of connectivity with other pastors, but but also the lack of connectivity with your congregation. Um, like you said, you have more people watching online probably now than you ever have. Mm-hmm. And you may have more people online than you have in your seats. Yeah. Depending on what part of the world you live in, restrictions are different, the, the way people can gather. But pastors that I speak to are finding it so difficult to love on their congregation because of uh, the COVID situation. Mm. And and even if they're safe, even if they would say, yeah, I, I've been vaccinated or, you know, or I'll come and I'll wear the mask, I'll do whatever. It's the, it could also be then the fear from their congregants of catching something. So you, yeah. you have that uh, full circle of be, feeling isolated. Uh, it's also pastors are challenged because they're having to learn so many new things again, just over this past year. Um, you know, I, I didn't know much about zoom uh, <laughs> you do now, a year right? ago, yeah. but man, I can zoom. I know how to get <laughs> on there. I know how to press the button. I know how to make somebody mute them if they're talking too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I can, I can, I can just get them off my zoom altogether if I want, but it's all the new technology yeah. that they've had to learn. And there are some churches where the pastor, historically, whatever church it is, has always done everything. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. But it is. And so the poor pastor, um, he or she had to learn how to do live streams, had to learn how to put stuff on Facebook or YouTube or whatever streaming service you were going to use, figure out how to use OBS, see if StreamYard's a great way to go. See if you can do Zoom through these certain channels. But then if you do Zoom, you can't just go to Facebook without going to YouTube. So you had to do rent it. There's all these things you had to learn technologically. And so pastors are are burned out because they're lighting Mm. the candle at both ends. Uh, the challenge they're facing is, again, we talked a moment ago about self-care, just learning to take a day off. Mm. Um, I was talking to a pastor friend who was talking to another pastor, and um, he was finally getting his sabbatical. He had to wait because of COVID. And this pastor friend said to me, yeah, I don't know if he's coming back. Because he said, in his discussion, he says, yeah, once once my sabbatical is over, if I come back, we can connect. And it, and it was, he wasn't like, you know, I'm going to leave and go to another church. It's I'm, I'm thinking about leaving the ministry. Yeah. And pastors are, are doing so much that many are leaving the ministry because they're burned out. Yeah. It's, it's, you uh, know? yeah, we're, trying to think of the right word bleeding off pastors like crazy oh yeah and you know let's let's face it our congregations expect a lot 
Mm-hmm. And they do. You can expect a lot if you're willing to give a lot. But if you give a little, then you can expect a little. And I mean, that's a biblical principle. I just read it from Second Corinthians today. You know, <laughs> you 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 sow a little, you'll reap a little. You sow. Yeah, that a was much, that was our that was much. our Sunday sermon this week. <laughs> Reaping it? and sowing it, ancient Reaping principle, man. It doesn't change. Yeah. yeah, and and so when you have congregants who expect this, but they're not willing to give much, mm-hmm. and yet they badger the poor pastor. They, they beat them down the, you know, and, and friends who are listening to this today, uh, people listening to this, you may be saying, well, that, that's not how I am with my pastor. I'm glad you're not. But the truth is I work with hundreds into thousands of pastors and Mm -hmm. for the majority, that's more than 50%. They deal with people who are nitpicky. They deal Mm -hmm. with people who are constantly putting them down. They deal with people who never are affirming or encouraging. Mm-hmm. And so you have these people who you never can make happy and you're doing all this work and finally something has to give. And within this time, I've, I've seen pastors, a part of our network and outside of our network say, I'm done. I just can't do this anymore. Yeah. And then, you know, and it, it's so challenging and you, and they're in groups, they're in counseling, they're, they're getting the help, but it's not enough. Yeah. Um, so th- those are some of the things I've seen just within this last year, COVID related. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to talk about pre-COVID, it's still the, I want a lot, but I'm only willing to give a little congregants, you know, parishioners yeah. that. I, uh. I'd give credit if I could remember who said it, but somebody, I heard somebody read it somewhere once. They said being a pastor is like being stoned to death with popcorn. <laughs> hey, just as long as there's butter on it, I'm good. <laughs> just movie, movie butter uh, you know, and salt. Yeah, I, I'm an Australian citizen. I've lived here a while, so I'm saying, I don't know what it is with Americans when they eat everything. <laughs> <laughs> I went camping back in January and I posted a, uh, a picture of a big goanna that wandered through my campsite. Everybody's like, grill it, eat it, grill it, eat it. I'm like, what is it with Americans when they eat everything? <laughs> we want to survive. Yeah. yeah the way yeah, to survive yeah. is to eat. Yeah. Oh. No, no, but yeah. And I mean, right now I, I'm, I'm very blessed. My, my congregation is awesome. They really are. And I receive a lot more, um, affirmation and, and, and positive help, um, than, than a lot of guys do. I'm very blessed at the moment, yeah. but you know, I've had my challenges as well in the past, but currently the church is awesome. They really are. They're really good to me. Matter of fact, one of our leadership, I talked to him on the phone yesterday and it was like, man, we really appreciate you, you know, and pastors don't really get to hear that that often. And no. so it's really cool when somebody does that. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it might be fun. Um, let's dig into some horror stories, man. You got any? (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Exactly. Horror stories. Horror stories. I have a pastor friend who, um, he had a weekend of, of where there were very sick people in his church and he was going in and out of the hospital. 
meeting with the family, praying with them. You know, I mean, we're talking people having strokes. We're talking people having heart attacks. And it was just one of those weekends, you know, and he's doing all that. And he said, Rob, I went to church. I'm exhausted, but I'm there. He said, I probably should have had someone else preach or teach, but I felt I, I had a word from God. And I was at the back saying goodbye to everybody and said, you know, it was a rough weekend. So I hadn't really shaved. And and in, in their church culture, um, it, it was, you know, the pastor wore suit and tie. And, and you know, he's like, so my collar's kind of hanging up. My tie's kind of out of whack. He says, I probably had three hours of sleep and 72 hours. He said, and one of the parishioners, she got to me, little old lady, and she's, she, you know, I'm shaking everybody's hand. They're saying, bless you, pastor. And I, we would pray for these people in the church. They knew they would, they would, they were in there and, you know, very sick. And he said, she reprimanded me. She stuck her finger in my face and said, how dare you? How dare you come to church looking like you're the pastor. You should look better than that. What do you think you're doing? And he said, I don't know what to say. He said, I was about to have a stroke myself. And so, so I just, I just was like a deer in headlights. And um, she just walked on. Never, never thought about the investment of time. Mm. He was away from his family. The investment of time he was pouring into these people he was the only pastor of the church. You know, they, they didn't have other pastors. And again, in this church culture, well, yeah, you have elders, you have deacons, but if I'm sick, I want the pastor to see me. Mm -hmm. They're not the same, you know, the elder deacon can come, but it's not the same as the pastor. Isn't that what we pay him for? <laughs> so they have this idea, you know, that the pastor's a hireling when the pastor's the shepherd. Yeah. Um, God, you keep so them humble. We'll keep them poor. <laughs> oh yes. God, you keep on Yeah, that's it. That's I'm, it. I'm terrible, man. No, well, it's it's sad because you know, as horror stories go, um some pastors, you know, that you always want to hear the that there's hopefully a bright side. Mm -hmm. Um because of just life, a lot of pastors that I speak with that have gotten involved with our groups. They, they have our testimonies on, on our YouTube channel. They'll talk about how their marriage was in shambles mm. because yeah. they were married to the church. Yeah. Um, their kids, they didn't really know them no. because again, they were, their mistress was the church. Yeah. And we, we think that when we look at a couple, and they they look good they're polished you know every hair's in place and they're up there and and they're 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 smiling and they're sharing and you know there's banter between the husband and wife you're like oh man they're just doing great and then two weeks later you hear they get a divorce yeah why uh because we we don't give the pastor and spouse we work with pastors who are women and pastors who are men. So husbands and wives, you know, um, we don't give them the space they need. We don't give them the time they need. Um, it's, it's sad. Yeah. It's sad. Um, uh, I, I knew of a pastor who he was leaving a church and 
and he'd been there for a while and he worked with his denomination and they were, you know, they, they were going to give the, the church was going to give him a severance package and uh, the higher up church leader came in and said to the, to the elder board and deacons, that seems like an awful lot of money for that many weeks. And he'd been there a while. I mean, a long time. And they were mm -hmm. just giving him a nice package mm -hmm. saying goodbye. Yep. And he talked that church board out of giving um, six weeks of, uh, of, of, of 12 weeks. So mm -hmm. he had them cut it right in half. Wow. That's a horror story, mm. you know, and here this poor pastor is supposed to come in on that, that Sunday when he's leaving and sit next to the district official and be okay with it. But it was, was it the church's fault? Well, no, the church was just following the, the district leader. They thought, okay, well, if we're doing something wrong, we just, you're, we want to follow your leadership. Horror story. Mm, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's things like that, that you sit back and you scratch your head and say, huh? Yeah, I know. Uh, um, I have a pastor. <laughs> go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Well, you go there's ahead. another pastor who he just, he shared, uh, he shared, I, I don't know. I don't encourage pastors to do this, <laughs> but he, he just had had it. And on Facebook, mm -hmm. he said, excuse me, I'm done. Um, I'm asked to do funerals and there's never a spot for me to park. Now this is a pastor in a, a different country. So, mm -hmm. uh, he said, he said, and I've read, I read the whole thing, you know, I'm, I'm like, Oh my goodness, this is awful. Um, they have me park all the way down the street and then I have to walk a half a mile, get to the funeral and I'm the one presiding. Um, they never send me home with food. I come home and my kids are hungry with no food. I don't charge anything to do a funeral but they don't even offer me a gift i do weddings and before the food is served they tell me and my wife to leave and we go home hungry wow you know he went down this whole list of stuff and it just it was unjust it was unright it was it was wrong and so he said this is my last sunday I'm, I'm going to a different country and I'm sharing all this because it was right on Facebook. It's not like I'm sharing anything confidential. This dude sharing it out there. He said, I'm going to a different country because everybody in this country knows who I am and I just want to be left alone. And he spoke out of his woundedness. He spoke out of mm. his hurt. Yeah. Now he, here's the good part. That's a horror story, but the good part is his congregation read that and it was like a slap in the face, a mm. wake up call, not like a slap, mm. like you awful people, but it was like, <gasps> a shock mm -hmm. and they reached out and other pastors he knew reached out and he was affirmed and he was encouraged and his church came to him. And from what I understand in the response was so overwhelming that he didn't leave. He stayed. Oh, well, Good for why him. does it take us saying I've had enough? I am so hurt. You have mistreated me and you, you, you treat me like dirt. I'm leaving. I, I got to go. Why does it take that before somebody steps up and says, we love you and we thank you for all that you do. And because we love you and we thank you. And I know there's churches who do this and new churches out there. Who oh do yeah. This, absolutely. Thank you for loving your pastor. Mm, they, 
they provide them with a weekend away. They give them every three months um, a, a getaway for if they have kids for them and their kids, or they provide babysitting for their, their kids. So mom and dad can go out and mm -hmm. they pay for mom and dad to go out. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many sacrifices that we in the ministry make. Um, and we don't make those sacrifices so you can feel sorry for us, but we, you know, turn around if you have the gift of hospitality as Romans talks about, and you see your, your pastor and his, his wife or your pastors and her husband, and you want to bless them, then bless them. Don't go through the board. Don't go through the church, bless them, mm -hmm. show up or call them and say, oh, I want to buy you guys dinner. And I, I want to make sure I'm not there. I want to give you a night out. Um, I, I'm going to come over and we're, we've got some games. We're going to leave for you and your kids you know, um, a card, just a card. I mean, I know that it's like the stone ages for some of us, but <laughs> you go to the drugstore and that for some, the drugstore is a Walgreens, okay. Uh, or a Rite Aid or a CVS mm -hmm. and you pick up a card and here's a novel idea, open it up and say, thinking of you and sign your name. And just send them a card. If you really want to bless them when you open up that card in the same kiosk, I don't know how it is in Australia, but here at CVS and Walmart, right next to the cards, there's a kiosk that has gift cards. Mm -hmm. You know, get them a card for a coffee shop, a gift card, five bucks. My goodness. You know, you, you don't have to break the bank, but just mm -hmm. show your pastor you care. Show him mm -hmm. or her that you affirm them and are grateful for them. You mm -hmm. know, that, that card goes a long way. And even this, okay. So you're not of age to do a card. You're in your twenties and you're like, buddy, you are nuts. I'm not going to pick up a card. Well, text them. And you know what? The, the cash app is a big thing in the U S I know how it works. Cause I have it on my phone. If you're not going to go out and buy them a gift card, text them and then send through cash app enough money for them to, to get a donut and a coffee or, you know, a muffin and a, and a tea. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we have a cash app here like that. Well, yeah, we kind of do actually. I take that back. You got Venmo. We've got uh no banking in Australia. Actually it's, it's interesting. The two cultures, because in some ways Australia is 30 years ahead of the States and other ways it's like 30 years behind depending on, mm -hmm what it is but like banking we don't do like paper checks anymore really yeah. i mean i see one they're very rare though and you can you know transfer money back and forth between bank accounts it's super easy sure. it's, it's actually a pretty good system so i mean we do do that kind of stuff but, but yeah those those apps are uh, all foreign to me <laughs> are they well yeah. you guys have amazon um relatively recently yes it's okay it's, it's coming into uh, Australia within the past couple of years. We've had okay. Amazon Australia. Well, if yeah, you're I in think. Australia and you want to bless your pastor and you have Amazon, go on Amazon. You can buy a gift card from Amazon and you mm -hmm. can send it through email or better yet. If you know of the books that she or he likes to read, you mm -hmm. know, you can buy them a book from uh, for their, uh, the Kindle app or if they have a Kindle and if they don't have a Kindle, go out and buy them a Kindle. My goodness. Bless them. Yeah. Love them. Yeah. 
We uh we had somebody send us an Amazon gift card this past year, and we had somebody recently take us out for dinner too. Like I said, my congregation's awesome; they really are, and yeah. um, we love them dearly. Um, but there has been times, you know, we've been through that um, difficult times as well. Um, I've had people tell me I'm a tool of Satan. Um, <laughs> somebody oh. recently told my wife that. Um, We've had, uh, when we first came here, I can remember this is way back when now, this is one of those things that like, uh, the statute of limitations is over. So I talk about it, but, um, okay. we'd just gotten off the plane, um, coming to Australia and there was, a um, some folks in the church who were just horrible, man. I wasn't even over jet lag yet. And they were trying to get rid of us. Um, oh my telling, oh, the, the talking about like the youth group in the church was great until your kids came along and just, just being <laughs> horrific, man. I'm like, well, yeah, they're not perfect. That one might be legit, but, um, anyway, so, but we, yeah, just people, people could be awful, man. I've got, yeah. there's so many stories like that. I, my, my time in the Marine Corps and as a bouncer didn't necessarily, uh, uh, uh go amiss in ministry at times. Um, <laughs> I've got, you, um, God had to keep, uh, you had to keep yourself restrained, right? That self-control, the fruit of the spirit, self-control, patience and self-control. Yeah. It's yeah. I've had, um, two, two pastor friends, um, that have had guns pulled on them. I've had oh another pastor friend who was threatened with a knife. Um, another one who was physically attacked and this is by church folks, man, this isn't out on yeah. the street. This is like yeah. people have lost their mind. And, um, yeah, I could, I could go on all day about it. I had people go on campaigns, like <laughs> phone call campaigns, trying to circle the wagons to get rid of the pastor and just, you know, all kinds of things. It, it happens. Yeah. Pastors, it, you know, pastors have a tough lot sometimes. Well, well, look at the scriptures. The Pharisees and the Sadducees wanted to get rid of Jesus. Why? Not not because they didn't think he was a good guy or doing stuff for God. They threatened his, they threat, he threatened rather their authority. Mm. Jesus threatened their authority. They wanted to be in charge. And a lot of times I found in my own personal experience and talking to others, that's usually the root cause. Why is there friction in this this church? because they don't want to give up their power. They want mm. to be the ones who make the decisions. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, all of a sudden they like this family better than that family. Well, we got to we got to get rid of that family then. And it shows the woundedness of of humans. I mean, we yeah, all it really does. And that's where it we does. need Christ to focus in on that woundedness. And sometimes people act out because as the pastor is preaching the word of God and preaching what God has given him or her to preach, the Lord is taking that message and he's convicting the people in the congregation because they're dealing with sin. And when you don't want to deal with your sin, you turn it around and you attack the person who's sharing the truth. Yeah. You know, I mean, again, scriptural evidence um, they attack Jesus because he's just preaching the truth. Uh, we go back to Moses. I mean, how many times did Moses get attacked by people because he's just telling them what God said and they didn't want to follow what God was saying. And so I think the, the wonderful thing about being a pastor is when you realize we're all broken and mm -hmm. Jesus is the one who fixes us. 
the Holy Spirit repairs that brokenness, uh, that woundedness. He replaces the pain and the hurt. And as a pastor, if we can see that hurt in us, we know it's in others, when we are attacked, when we, when we are come at, hopefully we have the grace that God has shown us to show others. And if yeah. we can, as a leader can represent that and, and share that, you know, that's going to allow people to know that church is a safe place. Mm-hmm. When, when people say stupid things, when people act out in, in dumb ways, they know that at least they're, they're not going to be ostracized or told to leave if this is a, really a house of love. Mm-hmm. And if they're willing then to submit and say, I need some help. I need some, I need some help. I'm hurt. Yeah. I, I think, you know, you, you asked about the church and where things were at for, for many of us, we, we look at the symptoms instead of getting to the root of the sickness and, and Jesus wants to get to the root of our, our hurts, our woundedness. Mm-hmm. We can't continue to put band-aids on it in the church. We yeah. mental health. We need to talk about it. Um, issues of sexuality, we need to talk about it. Yep. Uh, people who who are trying to find their identity in who they are, whether it's work, you know, gender identity, we need to talk about it because the Bible gives us the answers as long as we can have a conversation about it mm. in love and, and leave the rest to God yeah. and not like pick up our fists and fight. Yeah, that's that's a real challenge because I think you touched on it that when people act in that way, it's because not always, but sometimes it's because they're hurt themselves. Um, When you challenge someone's comfortable narrative, which if you're not doing that as a pastor, you're not really doing narrative or you're not really doing ministry. You're going to do that and and you don't want to hurt anybody. So you need to be careful and tactful because, you know, God's word is sharp. Handle it carefully. Mm -hmm. But when people act out in that way, um, it is because they've been hurt often. Not always. Some people are just jerks, let's be honest. But um, and I, I don't think I've ever met a pastor who doesn't love helping someone who comes to them seeking help um, and looking for help. And, you know, it's tough when people come and attack. There's not much you can do in that it just you know turtle up or try to deal with it as you can but if if people go to the pastor genuinely seeking help because you know i don't know what to do about this or what about that or i'm challenged here i'm challenged there i don't think there's i don't know of any pastor who doesn't you know really thrive on that and say yes i want to help you i really do and i want to help you work through this and we can do it together for sure definitely I, I had a pastor friend once, my first John 17, 23 group I was in, while I was still pastoring in, in a church. And I was just, I was just sharing, man, I got so many, I had so many hurting people and I'm constantly doing pastoral counseling. It seems like morning, noon and night. And this, this was an older pastor, very wise, really good guy. Mm. Um, still call him a friend today, even though we're not in the group and he's retired. But he asked me some poignant questions. And if you're, you're a pastor out there and you're listening, this is something to think about. 
He said, Rob, what has God called you to be, to do? He said, I feel that he called me to be a pastor. Okay. Then why are you doing all this counseling? He made a good point. Mm-hmm. Because the counseling was keeping me away from preparing my messages and my studies. It was, it was really, I mean, I was losing time with my family at night. Because mm. nobody wants to take off work to come in for a counseling session mm-hmm. and during the day. Pastoral counseling yep. has to happen either before they go into work or at seven o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. You know, your family, uh, you know, the pastor's family, oh, they can deal with it, right? He can go home during the day. He only works one day a week. Um, <laughs> only works you know, those are the things that I heard. So, mm-hmm. so I was there and I'm like, his name was Don. I said, Don, you're right. God called me to be a pastor. He says, well, he's called others to be counselors. He says, I can give you a list of wonderful Christian counselors. Next time mm-hmm. someone needs counseling, you can give them these names. And he said, as far as your desire to counsel them from God's word, he said, Rob, I don't counsel anyone unless they come to church six times in a row and they're willing to sit through the message, hear the message, receive the message. He says, what I find is after they've come six times in a row and they've been open to God, whatever problem they were dealing with or having um, is pretty much resolved by the time they st- they want to come and see me. At that point, he said, the, again, the majority, more than 50% say, no, you know what? God spoke to me through the message. I'm good. Because the word of God, like you said, Chris, is living and active, sharper than the sharpest knife, cuts through bone and sinew, spirit and soul, gets to the heart of the matter and reveals mm-hmm. to us reveals to us that God knows who we really are. So um, he shared that with me. And then the last one, he said, and in terms of time, he said, how much time do you spend with these who are hurting and wounded? He said, 30, 40, 50, 60, 80. And I said, you know, in terms of the time I spend on meeting with people, I said, probably 80%. He -hmm. said, and how much time do you deal with? are you with the healthy people? I said, I guess the others 20%. He says, and how much better would it be if you flipped that around and actually was, were with the healthy people 80% of the time, the, the, the needy or the, the people who always seem to have issues the 20% of the time and building up those 80% so that you really get to see them thrive in Christ. Not that he said you get rid of the, the wounded. You'll always have those who have problems and issues. Yep. But what he was telling me is, like Jesus says, you'll always have the poor with you. You know, um, meaning we can get so focused on helping people that we forget about the healthy ones and that the healthy ones still need our focus, our support, our encouragement. And as iron sharpens iron, we sharpen one another. I got what he was saying. I tried to begin to change my pattern. I, I did get rid of all the counseling because they, you know, they, they needed to go to a counselor. After six months of pastoral counseling, listen out there, if you're listening, six months of pastoral counseling, if they're not any better, send them to a counselor. Yeah. Let them go to a Christian counselor. Let them, let them get, through, what's that? I said referrals are a wonderful thing, man. I I would encourage every pastor to make a list. I've got psychologists, counselors, psychiatrists. um, Definitely. And 
another thing I don't do just kind of along the line of counseling. One thing I don't do with um, my own congregation is professional counseling. I don't, I do that. I yeah. do pastoral counseling, but I don't do the professional kind of counseling. I refer to that because you run into issues with dual relationships and sure. Uh, once you know too much about someone, I, I think they feel awkward, man. And, and yeah. I have found to the person when we dig in too deep in that regard, they end up leaving the church. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, anything that's, that's kind of heavy. I, I definitely refer that to people who are more competent than me anyway, when it comes to those specific things. And I've got a list oh. of people I know, um, definitely specialize. And yeah, I'm, I'm actually very blessed in that regard because I do yeah. have a lot of resources. Yeah. I, I wasted far too much time with marriage counseling when I wanted to do pastoral counseling and man, when Don said this, all of a sudden my, my whole schedule opened up. I was, <laughs> I, was I was having at least literally seven couples in the church as I remember. And the thing is, they never want to follow what you say. Well, this is what the Bible says. This is how you're supposed to you know, treat one another. And did you do your homework? Did you do this? No, 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 no. And it was just, and man, was it liberating when I said, here is a list of marriage counselors in the area. You're not <laughs> going to see me anymore. No, bro. No, sister. God has something better for you. And they're professionals. Mm, yeah, that's all they do. Yeah. So, well, that kind of leads to another thought. If, um, you know, for a struggling pastor or, or struggling Christians, well, we could talk about both. What Do you have some resources you might recommend um, for a struggling pastor and maybe a struggling Christian if we get into that? because we're talking to a large audience, different mm -hmm. continents, different parts of the world. Um, I, I do, I specifically, if I get in specifics, if you're not in the U S it's not going to help you. But, yeah. but what, what I, what I would say is every pastor or Christian, <clears throat> at least every pastor should have a list of counselors that they have vetted, that they respect, and hopefully they're Christian counselors. I, I recommend a Christian counselor that when their congregation needs someone or a fellow pastor is reaching out saying, I, I need someone to refer this couple to or this person to, there should be a list that is circulated, that everyone knows these are good counselors. They are solid. I think pastors should be aware of what's available to them in terms of pastoral retreat centers. Um, we have InterVarsity in the, in the U.S. And, and they have retreat centers that they do a lot for college. It's InterVarsity is a college ministry. And the InterVarsity um, campus retreat center that's close to us, if you're a pastor, it doesn't cost you anything to go there for a one, two, three-day retreat. You, you can just go and hang out and you can be with God. You can walk the path. You can, you know, take out their kayak on the lake. Um, there are retreat centers out there that are specifically for pastors and pastoral leaders, uh, at least in the U.S. that I'm aware of. Um, Chris, you, you'd know more about Australia. Um, in talking to the pastors that I work with in India and throughout Africa, um, this is kind of limited. 
these, yeah. this, this yeah. idea. I mean, we're blessed to um, have these retreat centers and they're all over the U.S. Mm, so, that's true. Uh, There's a lot of resources there that uh, yeah. the other parts of the world don't necessarily have as much of. Yeah. Um, so knowing where good counselors are, retreat centers, um, how else can you stay healthy um, if you're facing challenges or you just want to remain in health? Um, there's some things that you can do on your own. And that mm -hmm. is every, for those who have the ability, once a month, take a day and just be with God. Once a month and, and, and work it into your schedule with your church. Don't, don't let your church say, well, this is on your day off. No, this is my Thursday. And this is what I'm doing on my Thursday. Mm -hmm. um, and spend time with God. Uh, that may be an overnight somewhere. Maybe someone in your church has a, has a B and B or, or an Air and B. Is it Air and B? R and B? I don't know. Air and B. I don't know. Music style. Um, it used to be bed and breakfast, but they also mm -hmm. have the Airbnb. That's what it is. Oh, yeah, I've, I've done that yep. with my wife. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah. And you can find a cheap Airbnb and, and invest in yourself or ask your church, Hey, once a month, I want to go somewhere so I can stay fresh. Or once every three months, I want, I'm, I'm asking you, not I want, I'm asking you so I can be at my, my optimal best for you and God um, two days away or three days away. And if you want to remain healthy, be a pastor that connects with other pastors. Find out who's on the, on the circuit, who's available to preach for you. As much as you may like to preach, you don't have to preach every Sunday. And sometimes it's good to have someone else preach even when you're there so that you're present, but you're giving someone else the opportunity and you're seeing things from a different perspective. It's healthy for you to mm -hmm. see your congregation worship and know that you have someone else going up to do the announcements, welcome everybody. You're just there. They know you're just there, but you're doing it as part of the congregation. I think sometimes we as pastors forget what it's like just to sit in the, in the chair, in a pew, if you will, if you have pews. Mm -hmm. um, so that's healthy. It's healthy to step back. And, and sometimes if you say, well, I couldn't, I couldn't really worship God in my church. If I wasn't doing anything, I'd be feel <laughs> weird. Well then go to a friend's church and, you know, make sure that he or she doesn't like recognize you. Hey, my pastor friend, Chris is in the back and his wife, yeah. Christina, you're so wonderful. So then all of a Shut sudden up, you're man. no longer, you know, just be, hey, you know, they know you're coming in anonymity just to hang out and just, just to worship. It's healthy. Hmm. It's healthy to get away from your congregation. It's healthy to have other people preach in your church. It's healthy I know some pastors who have such a relationship and such a trust, um, especially through the John 17, 23 groups that throughout the year, several times throughout the year, they switch pulpits mm -hmm. and they, they preach the, a similar message, but they preach it in their friend's church. So you got five mm -hmm. pastors now going to five different churches and they're all kind of like, you know, pulling a <coughs> number out of a hat and say, okay, I'm going to First Baptist. Okay, I'll go over to Hinterland. Okay, I'm going to go to the Methodist. Okay, I'm going to Living Word. And 
they share. And so their congregation gets to see, wow, these pastors, they trust each other. There's unity with one another. And so that's healthy. Healthy is not feeling like you're in competition and you can't feel like you're, you, you can't get past that feeling unless you get to know one another. Because there's always, the enemy's always going to have that little voice in the back of your head saying something about that person across the street or down the road if you don't know them. Yeah, so, that's true. So, you know, to, those kind of steps that you take, they have to be intentional. You mm -hmm. have to be intentional about saying, pastors, <clears throat> for most of my pastoral time in the church, I worked six days a week. That's just dumb. Now, most people out there get two days a week off, I, at least in the U.S. Um, yeah. Well, you it, need Australian culture, man. I, I'll just talk to that for a second. Is yeah. is awesome. People expect me to take time off. The only reason I don't is because it's my own fault. Um, yeah. Because here, I mean, we it's entirely different. Um, somebody I had a friend explain it as. Um, Americans work to live or no Americans live to work and Australians work to live. Um, yeah. It's just a totally different mindset culturally. And yeah, it, I, I have absolutely no excuse to not take time off because people here think I should. And they tell me you need to take a break. You need to take some time off. And so if I don't, that's my own fault. And you know, sometimes yeah. I don't, and it's my own fault, but um, you know, in the culture that you're in, in the States, it's, there's a lot more identity it's, it's drive life, from man. work. Yeah. That's how we live. You're, you're yeah. so right. And that's, it's hard to get out of that mode, but you mm -hmm. need people in your church like you have who love you enough to say, you need to take some time off and, and go to the, the point to say, if you have to talk to the board, if you have to, whoever you have to talk to in church leadership to, to say, we want to give, we want to make sure a pastor <laughs> uh, has three days off this month. Just, just because, because mm. we don't think he's taking it. You have to have those open conversations so that the the pastor, if, if you're a congregation, a congregant, a par parishioner, they really know you care then. And like mm. Chris said, it's our own fault. I had no one to blame. I was complaining the other day. I was working 60 hours a week. Um, mm. Now, for some of you, maybe that's a regular week, but that's insane. Uh, you shouldn't do it. Stop it. Um, yeah. that's nuts. So I'm doing it and I'd been doing it consistently and I hit the wall. Now I'm about to turn 50 and that wall comes sooner than it used to. <laughs> it sure and, does. Um, yeah, man. And, and uh, I, and I could feel it in my body. I could feel it in my mind. I was making mistakes. Um, wasn't remembering things. And my boss, who's the, our executive director at Barnabas ministries, I was sharing with him and he looked and he says, Rob, when have I ever told you I wanted you to work 60 hours in a week? Never. <laughs> so why are you doing this? It's my own fault. Stop yeah. it, Rob. Hmm. You know, and he was, he was being loving and gentle. And he wasn't like reprimanding me, but he's like, when I hear you're working like that, it bothers me because I don't want you working like that. That's the, that's what I need to hear because uh, maybe you're different out there listening um, but I, I thrive on achieving. I, I thrive on getting things done. That's mm -hmm. my personality. That's how I'm wired. 
So the more I get done, the better I feel. But I can still get a lot done in 45 hours, 50 hours. Even 40 hours I can get a lot done. But 60, uh, I'm just, I'm doing too much. Yeah, so, it reaches a point where your productivity kind of starts pushing maximum density. Oh, yeah. And it's pointless at a certain point to go yeah. over. Yeah. yeah. And and so we have to learn to set those boundaries. Um, if you're married, whether you're you you as the you know, you as the woman or the pastor, or you as the man or the pastor, whoever you are, if you're married, listen to your spouse. If your spouse looks at you and says, You're working too much listen to them if your spouse mm. says we never talk anymore you need to sit down shut the laptop turn off the phone and listen to them and begin to talk those are telltale signs that you're in trouble if your spouse says to you your kids don't even remember what you look like i heard that once and she was right I'll be honest, I don't remember the first two years of my second child's life yeah. because we were starting a church. That is awful. I look at pictures and I, I was there. Honestly, I was there, but my mind wasn't. Mm -hmm. And so it's our own fault. I, yeah. I speak from experience. I don't want you to experience what I've experienced. I want you to be better. I want you to be healthier. I want you pastors, whether you're 50, 60, 25, 21, 30, whatever age. I, my desire is for you to be healthy and better. And, and for me, in 2007, I, I started my first John 17, 23 group. I mean, this ministry has been around for 20 years. And my wife, when we were leaving the, the church, we, we were transitioning. <coughs> Nothing bad happened where we're, we're transitioning out. She said, because I was talking about leaving my group because now I'd have to drive 20 minutes and I don't go into that city anymore. And she said, Rob, you can give up anything but your group. Mm. And, and she, she told me, she said, you became a better dad, a better husband, and a better pastor when you stepped into that group because those pastors in that group held you accountable and helped you to toe the line and helped you to become what God wanted you to be. So we need pastors in our life that we willingly submit to. And in turn, I poured into their life. I think they poured a lot more into my life than I ever poured into theirs. And even the group I'm with now of pastors, I, I wouldn't want to do ministry without meeting with these guys like I do twice a month, talking with them. We have to do it through Zoom because of where things are at with the pandemic in our area. Um, it's still kind of dicey, uh, but we meet, we talk, we share, we read scripture together, we grow in Christ together, we pray together, and we talk about life, and it's transformative for everyone involved. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, what are some things you can do? Get with some other pastors, whether it's a John 17 group or not. Hey, there's other groups like us out there. Just connect. Yeah. Um, because you can't do ministry alone. The founder of our ministry once said, and I, I'll never forget this. He said, Rob, Jesus mm. sent two guys to get a donkey. A donkey, Rob. <laughs> Why do we do ministry alone? 
You know, think about it. Yeah, that's kind of funny. If, that's a pretty menial task, really. Isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? All they had to do was go get a donkey, and, and all they had to say was, the Lord is in need of it. And, yeah. Okay, we'll let you have it. But two of them had to go. They didn't need to. Hmm. But I think Jesus was showing us whatever the task in ministry, you should never do it alone. Yeah. You know, who did something alone? Judas went to the Pharisees by himself. <laughs> That's and a pretty said, solid point there. <laughs> oh my goodness. It is. Preach yeah. it. Oh boy. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's that's what happens when you do things alone. You make some bad mistakes. Make bad decisions, yeah. Bad, yeah, bad decisions that lead to bad mistakes. Mm -hmm. Or just mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, we 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 definitely need community. We need just like everybody does. It's just as pastors, we tend to get um work too hard and do things. And we've got uh, uh one of our leaders here at the church, anyway, Dave is his nickname that tells you a little bit about our, our culture. <laughs> you get a church leader <laughs> named anyway, Dave, but anyway, he's, he's a friend of mine and um, he's always calling me up. Hey man, you want to go surf in the morning? And I'm like, Oh no, I got a podcast. I got to do with Rob or this, that, or the other. It, it's just, you know, you're so like, uh, not that I'm, you know, just an example, but it's always like, Oh, I've got something else I got to do. Got something else I got to do. Got something else I got to do. No, you don't. Not really. You know, you can, you yeah. can make it work if you want to. And you know, if you want to connect with other people, you can make it work if you want to. Um, and it's just a matter of taking that step to do it. Um, you know, one of the things that, um, and, and I still find this challenging myself and I know in like circles that I run in and, um, and I know a lot of people struggle with this and I've definitely got my own set of beliefs and my own doctrines that I believe. And I'm, I'm pretty, pretty steady Eddie about those, but at the same time, I'm kind of a, a guy that I don't really have a problem listening to what other people have to say. Um, yeah. it's, it's kind of like this podcast is, uh, it's, a, it's almost like a creative outlet for me where I could go out sure. there and, and, and meddle with things like that, if that's the right word. But I, and I know a lot of people personally who are, um, they, they struggle with anything that might be across a denominational line. And, right. you know, and I, I do as well, if I'm, if I'm very frank about it and how do you guys deal with that? Because I, or how do you work with that? Cause I know you guys are across all kinds of different yeah. denominations and things like that. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's varying degrees of that, obviously. I mean, there's, there's yeah. some who are, you know, they, they wouldn't have, associate with anybody outside of their own local church. And then there's, yeah. you know, bigger associations and then there's people who, you know, maybe go too far with it and don't care at all. But, um, yeah. And, you know, well, like, like I say, I've got my own set of beliefs. I preface it with that. Yeah. Um, listening to somebody else doesn't change what I believe, but you know, how right. do you, how do you guys work with that? Well, I, we focus on what we have in common more than what we have as differences. And this is what I mean by that. Uh, everyone sitting down at the table of a John 17, 23 group acknowledges that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He's, mm -hmm. he's the Lord. He came and died on the cross and he rose again. He died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, rose again to show us that we have eternal life, that gift. So that's the starting point. That's the good news, right? Mm -hmm. If, if you're a Christian church, then you're teaching that message. Mm -hmm. And so our pastors are Christian pastors. And, and when I say Christian, I, I, that encompasses Protestant, 
and Catholics, which Mm -hmm. for some, it's like, huh, what? But, you know, uh, we have priests in our groups and they Mm -hmm. love Jesus. Mm -hmm. And they should be in our groups because they're preaching Jesus. Um, and with that, they'll have though we have some who come in and say, okay, that that's the center of it. So when we come together, we're not trying to indoctrinate anyone on what they should believe. We're mm-hmm. not trying to say your belief is different than my belief. I happen to be Pentecostal. Mm-hmm. So I believe in speaking in tongues and the gifts of the spirit. I've experienced it. I've done it. Mm-hmm. And in a group setting, I've been in with pastors who would say, oh, that ended in the book of Acts. And I'm cool with that. I'm not going to push on them my belief system. And because we're willing to say, I respect where you're at, on on both sides, they're not going to push on me their belief system. That's something that we agree to when we come together in the group. Okay. Because as long as we hit the majors that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Mm -hmm. That's the starting point. We're, Mm -hmm. we're not here to say, Oh, you're a Methodist. Well, I'm a Baptist. So if you come on more on my side, life will be better for you. (laughs) No, life will be better for for the person asking that question. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's not about that. It's Mm -hmm. about saying again, the prayer of Jesus, I and them, Jesus said, I and them, him and us, and mm-hmm. you, Father, and me, that they may become perfectly one. If you read that whole chapter, even before that, <clears throat> Jesus is inviting us into this relationship with he and the Father. And so if if we accept that relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at work in us, they do, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. God is in us. And so when I look at you, Chris, I see the image of God. The thumbprint of God is upon you. You look at me, hopefully you see the same thing, and we can say we're brothers in Christ. We differ mm-hmm. on on certain teachings in the Bible, mm-hmm. but that's okay because those certain teachings aren't going to stop us from sharing the gospel, which we all agree on is Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through him. Mm-hmm. Then we're good. Um most of the pastors in our groups will say we we focus on what's important and what's important is jesus and loving those around us in jesus name so Mm -hmm. we're not a bible think tank when when people come into the when pastors come into a group they first get to tell their story and once they're done telling their story everyone gets a a a day when you meet it's usually about an hour and a half and they tell their story for about 30 minutes. And then within that time you engage in scripture together, you pray together and you update, you just talk about life, mm-hmm. but we don't tell you to do a Bible study. We don't want you to do a Bible study. We want the Bible to speak to you at where you're at, because most of the time pastors, um, and I was guilty of this. Maybe you're out there and you're not guilty of this, but when I had a sermon, or a series I was on, or I was counseling someone or ministering to someone, when I'd read the Bible, I'd say, ooh, that's a good scripture for them. 
Ooh, that's a good series <laughs> for next month. I do that all the time, man. Yeah. That's like, I, I can't listen to sermons going to bed at night because I'm starting, oh, I need a notebook, man. I should be writing some of this down. You know? Yeah. Just, yeah, you can't help it. But, it's just what when you're, you're programmed to do. It's, it's, it's how it is. So when you're in this group, we say, what we ask you to do most of the time is electio Divina, which is read a scripture. Somebody in the group, we just they just come prepared. God, we say, hey, whatever scripture God gave you, a passage, one verse or a couple verses, <clears throat> and you read that passage. You read it once. You just what word or phrase is is the Holy Spirit jumping out at you or or focusing you on, and then mm -hmm. you read it again, and from that word. Well, how's he speaking to you? Okay. And then from how's he speaking to you, read another time. How can you apply it right now where you're at? So we're, we're getting back to letting the word speak to us. And then what happens is, as you start talking about how the Holy Spirit is, is speaking to you through the word, personal level, you're opening up even deeper to one another about life. And that leads you then when you go to pray to pray at a deeper level and a more uh, a more in tuned you're more in tune with the holy spirit so uh, the pastoral prayer that we i i was used to this and still am if if i'm at a family event it's time to pray everybody looks at rob because he's the pastor doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter who's yeah, that's, there that's how it is hey, man. let's do it but so we're used to the pastoral persona the pastoral prayer in church not everybody's praying for everybody's needs. So guess what? The pastor has to get up and pray for everybody. Make sure mm. everybody gets prayed for. Cause if you don't, somebody's going to be upset <laughs> and that's not the right reason to pray, but that's just the way it is. And mm. you know, or it was for me, but in this sense, as we start to pray, Chris, we just pray as the spirit leads. So there may be five in a group and you as one person, the Holy spirit may just lead you to pray. You really feel what you're, your brother is saying over there and you just, I got to pray for you, man. Can I pray for you? And you just pray over him. Well, nobody else prays for that person unless the Holy spirit leads in that way. Then it's, we call it like a popcorn prayer. You know, you just one pops over here and pray a little bit then over here. And before you know it, you've prayed for one another, you've prayed for the needs, but you've also prayed as the spirit has led you to pray again, getting back to just listening to God and you're growing in relationship. Mm -hmm. So, um, that really combats that I'm right and you're wrong attitude. Because mm -hmm. that's that's what it is, isn't it? Hey, you know what? Yeah. My theology is better than your theology. <laughs> I am right and you are wrong. That's what we say. That's what we say behind it when I, well, you know, the Bible says this. You're saying that, but I have all these scriptures that say this. Well, come on, man. Let's Let's take that energy and focus on how we can love our community. And that's what comes out of these groups as well. As you're praying together, you're growing community with one another. You're in the same community. Most of the time, that's how our groups are, in the same community. The Holy Spirit will give um, someone in the group or maybe several in the group an idea. You know what, our, our community could really use X. What would X be? In this community, it's um, a thrift store. People mm -hmm. just need this. Well, how can we make that happen? I got space at my church. I'll give you a really quick example. Um, pastors in a group, one pastor is asking for prayer. He's shared this online, so it's not confidential. 
He says, uh, we want to open a sober house. We have this ministry, but we don't have a house. Another pastor looked. He's in the same group. He looks at, um, um, I can't even think of the pastor's name now, but it doesn't matter. He looked at this pastor, his friend in the group. He says, we have parsonages that we don't use. Why don't you use one of the parsonages? Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. It's just sitting there empty. Mm. That that's what happens when there's no competition. That's what happens mm. when you somebody has a resource, somebody has a need, they fill that need. And so now they have this sober house. And here's the, the cool thing: sober house is going so well, the church, the church where this ministry is coming out of, um, says, we want to do another sober house. So this same church says, well, we don't have any more space, but we want to bless you with an offering so you can find a house. And they did. And mm -hmm. others in the group helped as well. So God meets our needs when we begin to live in relationship with one another. And we know that I, I know this person. I love this person. I do life with this person. I share my most intimate inside what's going on with me with this person. So there is no competition. There, mm -hmm. there is no paranoia of, ooh, if I do this, will they hurt me? No, they love me. We have a commitment, a, a covenant. In fact, all of the groups, we encourage them to have a covenant where they agree to these things I'm talking about so that the pastors come together and it's written down and there's proof. We love each other. We agree we're going to meet on this date. We agree we're not going to fix one another. We agree we're not going to, um, uh, we're not going to badmouth each other. We agree we're going to respect one another. We have some groups who even say, we agree that we're going to, we're going to talk about those coming into our church in our, in my city. We had these church hoppers that just went between our churches all the time and we got sick and tired of it. And we would actually joke about it. So who's at your church this week? Oh, we have Mr. And Mrs. Smith. Oh, they're at my church two months ago. Well, guess what? They'll be there for about this long and then they'll do this. So you yeah. know what happened? We finally said when they said, oh, we want to be members of your church. We said, well, and when they started coming, we we made a commitment to one another. Uh, if we found out they were from church across town and we were in the same group, oh, I know Pastor Don. Oh, you do? Yeah. So did you tell Pastor Don you were leaving? What? Did, did you leave with Pastor Don's blessing? Did you let Pastor Don know God was moving you on and the church prayed over you and prayed a blessing that wherever he took you, you were going to be um, used in a great way, something like that. Mm. And I'll tell you that this, this couple looked and said, no. I said, well, then you can't come here. <laughs> what? I, I said, let me tell you something. I know how long have you been over there and where were you before there? I know that you're going to be here about that same time. And then something's going to happen and you're going to leave just like that. So I want you to go back to pastor Don and, and leave right. I want you to leave right so he knows you're leaving. He can pray with you. And then if you want to come here, we can talk about what that looks like. Yeah. And and they did. It was surprising, I'm you know, but because half the time they didn't, but they did. And I remember this couple because this couple, it, it was the big starting point of something different for them. Because instead of running away when the Holy Spirit was starting to work through the messages and people and really focus on their woundedness. They didn't want to deal mm -hmm. with it. They'd run after they dealt with that. It was the beginning of God bringing a great healing. 
Mm. So that's what happens when you have unity. God commands yeah, blessing. That's a, uh, that kind of connection has its benefits, doesn't it? Oh in yeah. The, in the community for sure. I know there's a, yeah. a, a local guy here who's, um, didn't, you know, done try. He's he's been working trying to connect people for a long time, and I've I've got together with him a couple times. But he had something similar. There's there's people that go around and you know try to scam churches out of money and things as they do, yeah. and he, he kind of had a running list. <laughs> and so, oh yeah, I know that guy. I've actually got him in my phone, and I've got the, a certain name pops up when when one of them calls. So yeah, that's 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 a very useful resource. Absolutely, for sure. Yeah, it's that's an interesting thing because I know well, and I do too. I mean, I've got my like I said, I've got my own set of beliefs, and there's things that I know I would disagree on theologically with a lot of people, and I'm pretty pretty uh, set in those. But at the same time, um, I don't think a pastor necessarily needs to be afraid of connecting with people who think differently, especially when it comes to that. You know, there are certain non-negotiables like. Jesus, yeah. John 14, six, Jesus is the way, the yeah. truth and the life. And yeah. you know, if we can, if well, the we Trinity can center around that and then be friends. Yeah. yeah. Um, I come from a, a Pentecostal background, not really into the prayer book. And uh, I was in a group with Episcopal priest, lovely guy. <laughs> he brought his prayer book in when we were going to pray. I'm uh -huh. thinking, Oh gee, how's this going to help me? Oh, and I was so arrogant and, and just so wrong in my attitude that as soon as he started in that book, I realized, man, that prayer book is just full of scripture. Man, that prayer mm. book is good. Mm. Man, that, that prayer book is, is just sharing God's word and we're just praying the word of God. It was a different way to pray. And so I, you know, let's be honest, I, I was uncomfortable with it because mm. I'd never done yeah. it before. Yeah. But when he opened it up, I, I now have an app that he shared with me, Pray on the Go. I don't know if it's worldwide. I'm thinking it is because it's an Anglican app. Um, pray as you go. And it, it's, it's like sitting with Len. Uh, there's Gregarian chants some weeks or some days. Um, there's bells tolling. And, mm. and then they just go into this view of the scripture and sharing things that's not part of my church culture, but it's allowed me to grow closer to God. It, mm -hmm. you know, there are things I listen to say, well, doctrinally, I, I don't agree with that, but it's not like they're trying to get me to agree with them. That's just mm -hmm. what, what they're they saying. Do, yeah. And so it's not going to rock my world because I'm pretty secure in what I believe. Mm -hmm. And I think in our relationships with others, as long as I'm not trying to fix you or make you mm -hmm. like me, I think that's, that's why when you consider the diversity in the body of Christ and how when you look at church and God through his spirit brings all these people into your church that otherwise would never come together because they're coming together in unity in Christ. If mm. you look out there and you see different ethnicities, you see different cultures represented, you see different people groups, socioeconomic groups, they would never connect if we're no, not for Jesus. That's very true. So if, if our church looks like that, why can't our relationship with other pastors look like that? Mm, different ethnicities, thought, yeah. different church culture. Um, 
I have a friend who's an Anglican priest, Father Michael. Mm-hmm. I just call him Michael, but I, I can't help but calling him Father Michael just because he has that vibe. <laughs> yeah. And uh, does he wear a collar? He does. He does. Sweet. <laughs> it's awesome. I'm like, Michael, I said, Michael, when we're just together, it's always Michael. Well, why you always got that collar on? He said, my bishop once told me to wear this collar because it represents Jesus to people around you. And so when I don't want to be on call, Rob, I pop it out. We're just going to have some coffee. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm, I have it on because I want people to know if they need prayer, I'm available. If they need to talk, I'm here. I want them to know that that I represent Jesus and I want to be his hands extended. And so you know what I went? And I got myself a collar. And it was amazing how some people loved it, came up and said, hello, Father, can I talk with you? I'm like, well, of course you can. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm like, I, I'm, not, I'm not Catholic. Oh, that's okay, Father. I just call me, you know, you can call me. No, are you a pastor? Yeah, I'm a pastor. I got the collar. Um, But I learned something from him that I used to go in. uh, After that, I went to the hospitals with, I got a collar and it was just a different atmosphere when I'd come in a room because I didn't look like a doctor because I was, you know, and I didn't look like a bum, you know, just Oh, I walked in the wrong room. I was looking for the bathroom. No, I'm here for a reason. I'm here to pray with you. Mm-hmm. Even when I did prison ministry, started wearing a collar. I'm here to pray with you. I'm here for a, for a reason. And so you learn from one another and it's okay to step out of your comfort zone <laughs> and grow. A Pentecostal you know? with a collar. That's a first for me, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. I, I just find that it's all right. Well, <laughs> we wear them because yeah. uh, some of my Spanish brothers and sisters who are Pentecostals, ooh, they got some nice collars. There's, yeah. there's not just a little in the front; they go all the way around. I gotta give mm. me one of those. Okay. I, yeah. I got collar envy when I look at like my buddy Herson. <laughs> no, I, I do see the appeal to that stuff, man. I really do like the the liturgy and. Um, you mentioned like Gregorian chants and stuff. I've actually got a couple Spotify playlists that have that stuff on it. I, I, I enjoy those kinds of things. Um, yeah. The, you know, it, the, the splendor of old cathedrals and, you absolutely. know, before people could read, they had, you know, Bible stories and stained glass in the windows yeah. and, you know, that's how you knew it. And that's kind of how you read your Bible. But yeah, I, I definitely see the appeal of all that stuff, you know, and I, I appreciate it and enjoy it myself. Um, but yeah, anyway, it, it's a challenge, man. It really is. Um, and well, I, it's a challenge it for me too. Yeah. I, uh, one more story. If you, if you have the time, mm. we have a Greek Orthodox priest in one of our groups. So he's used to the prayer book. And as they were praying, he has grown in his prayer life because he said, I, I've never prayed with any, with people before I pray to God, you know, this way, but Usually it's with the prayer book with a group of people. So being with his John 17, 23 group, he has enjoyed it because he, he calls it spontaneous prayer. He's mm-hmm. just, he's learning to pray with others. So even he has stepped out of his comfort zone and he's growing. Um, so it, across denominational lines, we're, you know, as an interdenominational ministry, it's so awesome to see how God brings us together 
And like you said, if we focus on John 14, 6, that's all we need to do. Jesus does the rest when we say we want to be intentional. I want a relationship with you and I commit to you. Now, if we all do that in a group, everybody's committing to one another. You got a really good group going on then. You got, yeah. you got people who are going to be authentic and real with one another. Yeah, that's cool, man. It really is. I guess, uh, we, and we've been chatting for a while. You probably got things yeah, to have. do. Well, it's getting late. You're getting probably uh, later in the evening there. But before we kind of wrap up, um, are there some ways that congregations and individuals can support and help their pastors thrive? And I mean, of course, everybody should be praying for their pastor, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously, but what, maybe some tangible things that someone might do. And I know you touched on that a little bit earlier, but yeah, what are some things that, you know, an individual or a church can do to really help their pastor do well? I would say, um, other from what I've already talked about, um, what a pastor and his family really need to know they're loved. So my question would be to those listening, how do you show, show love? You know, this friend of yours who talks about, um, Dave, you said it is, Hey, let's go mm -hmm. surfing in the morning. Mm -hmm. Um, that's as an expression of love. I just want to hang out with you. Do you have time? Mm -hmm. Come be with me on the water. Let's have some fun together. Mm -hmm. um, inviting them out for, for no reason, no ulterior motive, but just to have fun, just to spend time with them. Sometimes it's just showing up if you know that their office is at home or at the church, giving them a quick call, a text. Are you there? Yeah. Get to know what their favorite drink is. Uh, you know what coffee tea coke coca-cola whatever it may be and stop off and just say hey you matter to me man have a good day and drop off that soda that 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 beverage um maybe it's just i mean I, you know you're saying us is all about food um, <laughs> but but you know you know their favorite meal or you know their uh, a snack or you know that you make this trifle that they just adore they enjoy eating it make it for them stop by give it to them don't over don't overstay your welcome you know uh, sometimes people show up and they think the pastor just needs someone to hang out with them sometimes we just need to be alone we have stuff to do and we don't know how to tell you we really have something to do so yeah. don't overstay your welcome read the signs you know mm -hmm. um if you're there and you're seeing that the pastor is kind of like looking at his watch, looking around, get up and say, see you later. Yeah, One awesome wonderful day. way to show you love your pastor is to ask him or her, how can I pray with you? And at that moment, when you ask, be bold enough to pray for them. Hmm. I would say that most of the time, in my experience, a pastor, because I usually ask that question to pastors, they don't get that question very often. And it shows you care. Tangible way. And that's going to help the pastor thrive because as the pastor begins to feel love and to feel, af experience affirmation and to know that someone cares for them, they're going to turn around and be able to care for others 
in a better way, in a more mm. deliberate way, because they're not going to be so worn out. Sometimes we just get tired. Sometimes we get low. Sometimes some pastors are just melancholy. They're, you know, they're not caloric. They're not like bouncing off the walls. They're just like, you know, they're glum. How are you? How's it going? They're just, they almost, they just sound negative. They're not. They're just their personality. Mm, yeah. They need that pick me up. They need more than just, Hey, that was a good sermon on Sunday. Take some time to invest in them, invest in their kids. You know, you want them to thrive, send them to a conference and pay for it. Maybe the church mm. can pay for it. I'm sure there's somebody in the church that can pay for it. Mm. Um, conferences are good for pastors. It gets mm. them away. It gets them to, to hear a different voice, a different perspective. Um, <clears throat> if you don't have a retreat center where you, where your church is, where you are at, then like I said, find an Airbnb, send them away. Uh, maybe the pastor and his spouse or her spouse, uh, him or her, um, maybe the married couple just needs a marriage retreat and you ask them what they'd like. Sometimes just asking, Hey, pastor, what do you need? Mm. And it could be a simple thing as, uh, maybe there's a delivery at the church that happens early in the morning, the pastor is the guy or the gal who shows up to unlock the door. Pastor, how can I help you in the next couple of weeks? I got some free time. Find out what it is. Maybe you could be the one that lets that delivery person in to deliver whatever it is. It's those, it's, it's simple things that allow us to thrive as human beings. When you show you care, that is going to build up the pastor, encourage your pastor and allow them to feel your love, experience your care and, and thrive. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I just a couple of things that popped into my head while you're saying that, that the getting together without an ulterior motive is, is really a cool thing when somebody like calls you up. Cause I, I know that, you know, when a pastor, usually when they get contacted is because somebody needs something, which oh, is yeah. fine. You know, you're quite happy to, to take care of people and help them. Um, but to do that sometimes, um, sometimes occasionally it's done under the guise of something else, you know, um, sure. so we're going to get together and hang out, but I really want to talk about this or I've got this problem with that or whatever it is, you know? Oh yeah. Um, it, it's just kind of, I know personally, I'll just confess that that's when, when somebody contacts me and says, Hey, you want to get a coffee or something? That's where my mind goes. It's like, okay, what's wrong? What's going to need to be fixed? What am I dealing with here? Exactly. What's wrong? Yeah. You, you got it. Mm. And that's just, that's just part of life and ministry. Um, yeah. and to have somebody say, Hey man, you want to hang out and not have an ulterior motive is actually pretty cool. Um, and even in that, I think it, it might be helpful for people to understand as well, um, in ministry that relationships with the pastor, I'm not saying that, you know, we can't be friends with people in the congregation. That's not what I mean, but it's a different kind of relationship because often the person who is in the congregation will feel like they can share everything with you. But as a pastor, 
there's often a whole bunch of stuff that you yeah. are unable to share with them because you know you're talking would be talking about the person sitting next to them in the pew or the, a problem with someone or something that someone's told you in confidence that you're carrying mm -hmm. around and it, it's just i think it's helpful for people to understand those things that sometimes those relationships are more one-sided than people maybe yeah. realize um and, and and that's you know not that that's a bad thing that's that's life and ministry but i think it's helpful if people understand that i i agree with you a hundred percent um and and just like you know we have this group covenant in our groups we know what the expectations are mm -hmm. it would be good when you're building a relationship with someone in your church to let them know what the boundaries are what mm -hmm. the expectations are um because then no one is hurt everyone knows what you're expecting from this relationship and what they're expecting from the relationship and they mm. may want something more than as a pastor you're willing to give mm. and you uh, if you're a con uh, parishioner the pastor may want more than you're willing to give yeah you know? yeah it could go both ways for sure it can go both ways so so i i think hey you want a relationship with me you want to be my friend what does that mean to you mm. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with asking that question i i got a good friend out in uh colorado i met him at a conference second year he was there again and we were just talking he was talking about having friendships and and just feeling like he's not connected and i i i wanted to be his friend but i wanted mm -hmm. to know what it was going to cost me to be his friend <laughs> <laughs> friendships are costly man yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well but, and it's funny because you think about that in ministry it's like okay i've got so much time and so much to give what is this going to cost you know it, yeah. it sounds almost cold but it's you know it's reality it really is yeah but i think all of us should ask that question what's mm. this going to cost me and then when you find out the cost are you willing to pay the cost this friend of mine in Colorado, I mean, we become really good friends. I, I wouldn't know, uh, you know, I couldn't imagine my, my life without him. Mm -hmm. He's that kind of friend. We, we meet, we connect, um, and we connect online because we, you know, we're too far away to, to, uh, to meet for coffee. But we set the date, we set a time, and we, we hang out. And, and we understand what the friendship looks like. We understand what, you know, in between time, he's super busy and so am I. So we may text and stuff, but our, our call time is always guarded. Nothing gets in that way unless there's an emergency. And um, so it was worth the cost. When I first mm -hmm. got into it, I thought, ooh, man, I don't know if this is worth it. I don't mm -hmm. know. And he may have been thinking the same thing, but I'm glad we both took that step and said, let's give it a shot, see how it works. And I think in a, in a church setting, pastors need to be willing to have that frank conversation with that person in church who wants to be their, their buddy, if you will, mm -hmm. and, and see if it's worth the cost. Because mm. a lot of pastors have, pastors have been burned and even parishioners have been burned by pastors mm -hmm. uh, because the the relationship expectations weren't clear. 
Yeah. And I hope yeah. people listening understand what I mean by that. Yeah, you know? it's true because I mean, realistically, if you know, even in a small church, you can't realistically be friends with everybody in the church. It's just right. not any kind of depth. It's just not realistic. Um, you can be their pastor. Right. You know, but you can't necessarily be their hangout buddy um, or their friend. And, and that's, to and, you know, and you and I know that's different. Mm -hmm. I can be your pastor, but to be your friend, it's, it's just a different category. Yeah. It's a different a, a pastor thing. can be a friend, but just to hang out and let's, let's have a drink together. Let's hang out. Let's talk. Let's chat. Um, that's a different level. Mm, yeah. Of intimacy I, of, of relationship. And I think sometimes those, um, the expectation is that, okay, now I've, I've got my, my personal pastor all the time and I have as much access as I want. And it's not really a two way street, you know, it's kind of a one-sided thing. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just helpful maybe for people to understand that. Cause I mean, oh, yeah. I know when I was, um, first involved in church and stuff like that. Yeah. I want to be the pastor's friend, man. We can hang out all the time, but what I really want is him to be there to minister to me and listen to my, whatever I want to say, you know? And, um, uh, -huh. and that's draining, isn't it? Pastors <laughs> yeah. will not thrive if they have three or four people coming by six days a week. I'm your friend. Now let me tell you about my problem. Yeah. Yep. Or I'm your friend and I have access and leverage now. So this is what you need to do and change. Yes. And that's another, Ooh. another one that happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. But anyway, man, we've been talking forever and it's been a yes. good conversation, but it's been uh, good before we kind of close out. Um, how can people support Barnabas Ministries? One of the first and easiest ways is to pray for us. Mm -hmm. You know, we, you uplift us in prayer um, you can find us at uh, www.john1723.net. I usually just say john1723.net. Just go mm -hmm. online, put in john1723.net and uh, see the team. Look up and pray for us. Mm -hmm. There's Sean, there's me, there's Steve, there's Amanda, there's Leah, there's Elizabeth. That's a team that makes this happen. And each of us have a certain role. And, and actually, I forgot, we just got a new team member by the name of Dave. And so pray for us and pray for the pastors that we serve and pray for the pastors that we will be serving. Um, prayer is the foundation of this ministry. Without prayer, this ministry doesn't go anywhere. So we appreciate your prayers. We thank you for your prayers. If you want to give of your time or resources, contact us, john1723.net you know, reach out to us. If you're a pastor and you want to know more about groups, um, how can, how can we support you is the real question. Mm. Reach out to us, Rob at John1723.net. And um, we'll connect, we'll talk and we'll see what God will do. Um, prayer, time, resources. And by resources, I do mean finances. Um, yeah. So we're donor supported ministry. And mm. if you want to support us financially, we will never say no. Um, <laughs> it allows us to reach out and uh, minister to pastors. If you were going to put a cost on what it is to have a group, it costs us as a ministry, $50 per pastor. Most mm. of our groups have five pastors. So that's $250 um, per group. 
and we we are used by God to train and raise up pastors. We use online training right now uh, because of COVID. Um, in fact, today I was talking to a pastor who is leading um, the ministry for us in Botswana. And Johannes and I were on WhatsApp just talking about how he was going to be reaching out. He's gone through our online training and he's developing leaders over there to teach and train pastors on how to be group leaders and then how to reach out and pull, you know, invite pastors to join groups. And uh, he, it's amazing how God just opens those kind of doors. We can't do what we do unless people pray for us, unless people um, support us with their time. We have volunteers who help us do a lot of um, the videos that you'll see on our YouTube channel. You'll find that at Barnabas Ministries, Inc., I believe, uh, our YouTube channel. Um, we do devotions for pastors. People help us behind the scenes to make those happen. So we have paid staff, and then we have an army of volunteers. Yeah. If you want to be part of the army, contact us, rob at john1723.net. Cool. Yeah. Did I say it enough? John1723.net? <laughs> Maybe one Do more time. Do I need time. to say it again? John1723.net? <laughs> Will you hear it in your dreams tonight? John1723.net? Yeah. Tell them. <laughs> tell them until they get sick of it and tell them again. Yeah. That's it, man. That's how it oh. works. Eh? Well, man, I really appreciate it, Rob. Thanks so much for doing this with me. You're welcome. Thanks for the opportunity. And, and I'll get you back because... I have a John seventeen twenty three conversation coming up this summer, and Sweet. Uh, I'm I'm gonna ha I'm gonna have you on it with a couple other pastors, so I okay. will be in the driving okay. seat. Well, I promise to be candid. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you are, man. Good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> awesome, Rob. Thanks, man. You're welcome. Have an awesome day. All right, so I'm out of here. Yeah, cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. And right. uh, yeah, we'll talk again soon. All right. God bless you. And those of you listening, thanks for sticking with us this long and uh, being part of the conversation. Yeah, we should give a little prize to people who stick around this long. I don't know what it'd be, but yeah. <laughs> well, I think they need an autographed photo of you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's No, I, I think they're probably not going to stick around for that. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think that'd help business. I think it, it might do a little damage, actually. I don't know, man. You're a pretty handsome guy. There may be a few <laughs> out there who want that picture up on the wall, saying, "Pastor Chris, he 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 sent me this." <laughs> yeah, I I don't know what to make of that, Rob. Sorry, I just don't know. <laughs> and with that, I say adieu. Blessing. <laughs> I bet you do. All right, man. Thanks. <laughs> Have an awesome day or evening. Thanks, man. All right, bye. Thank you for coming along on our journey today. I'm thankful for you and the valuable time you've spent with us. I'm hoping and praying for good things and many blessings for you and all that you do. I look forward to getting together with you again soon. Until then, this is Chris Miller, the host of PC Speaking, signing off, and I bid you farewell. Farewell.